Late Night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Hey, happy bank holiday. You're listening to Late Nights with Ian Lee, but as you'll know, Ian's not been very well, so he's still at home resting up with a really nasty dose of tonsillitis, and he's left me to do the introductions today. That doesn't mean you won't be hearing plenty of him tonight, because over the last few weeks we've been working on something really special, and we're hoping that you're going to love it. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that this late night spot was really the only one we wanted when we came to talk radio. After years of getting up at the crack of dawn for our breakfast show, we had our eyes on this time of day... For reasons that might sound nuts, but then will make sense if you stick with us for the rest of the night. Now, night times are really special, really special, and we're going to introduce you to some of the people who made it that way. So, no calls tonight, please. Paul in Stoke Poges and Alan Caddick, you can have a night off. This is all about the people who shaped late night radio in general, and Ian Lee in particular. He's caught up with a load of them, and he thinks you're going to get a real kick out of it. So let's crack on. First up, a shy and retiring chap by the name of Caesar the Geezer. Caesar, How are you doing, buddy? You all right? You gave us the wrong number, you pudding! <laughs> I cannot tell you, mate, what a thrill it is to hear your voice. And I tell you, the first time I heard about you was probably about 1995, and I was at yeah. um, college, I was at university, and we were at a party, and a friend came up to me and said, Hey, have you heard this bloke called Caesar the Geezer on talk radio? I went, No. I said, I said, he sees us a bit of a stupid name. He said, oh, no, mate, he's brilliant. Honestly, he's such a wind-up merchant. And um, we were in a party, and we went off into a room to, to listen to you. And it was <laughs> it was brilliant. I was blown oh, away blimey. by it. <laughs> How did you get into the radio? And, and do, I, do I call you Chris, or do I call you Caesar? Call me whatever you want, as long as it's not rude. Yeah, well, you, 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 I'll do that behind <laughs> your back. But how did you get into the radio? How did you get started? Uh, do you know what? I actually—I started... I, I used to be a head doorman yeah. of a nightclub, and um, I was a, the head doorman at Scamps in Croydon. This is going back in 1979. Wow. And I was carrying Kenny Everett and Dave Cash. You know the Kenny and Cash show back then? Yeah, of course. Both Cash legends, yeah. Yeah, well, I carried their cases in, and as a thank you, they invited me back to the studio to watch them do the radio show. Wow. Now, there was a guy called Michael Buck, who was the program controller at the time. Yeah. And Kenny and Cash were doing their radio show, and then they started talking to me live on air. And they brought me into the show because of my voice and because of me being a doorman. Yeah. So I started having a laugh with them, and we, I don't know, it was just something hit it off. Yeah, yeah. But then the next thing, the next thing I know is that, uh, listen, first of all, am I live on air? No, we're, this is a pre-record, so you say what you want oh. and we'll bleep out all the bad words. Uh, no, I'm not going to swear. So, <laughs> therefore, I was, um, I was, as I said, I, I, I did the studio, we, we, we got on really, really well. And the next thing I know is the, the, the hotline goes and it was Michael Buck. Yeah. who was actually the programme controller. And he said, who's that guy you've got on the radio who's got a great voice? He said, well, he's a doorman. He's not actually a, a <laughs> presenter. He's a, he's a doorman, they explained to him. Yeah. He said, listen, we've got to give this guy something because he's got a great voice for radio. You know, I, I actually, commu he, he communicates with me. I don't know what it is about him. Yeah. So they, so I was the first guy that ever went on Capital Radio. I mean, said, I'm going back when it, when it was the original Capital yeah. Radio. And they gave me an early hours in the morning slot for three hours, like the grave shift. Yeah. And I was doing that. And I was doing that under my real name. 
And then Michael Butt went to Victor Radio in Kent as the managing director, and he called me out of the blue and said, look, how do you fancy coming down here and working with me? Well, at that time, I was doing a bit with Rob, a guy called Rod Lucas on BBC Radio Kent. Yeah. Yeah, and the next thing I know is I'm on the radio. That's how I got into radio. Isn't that funny? Um, did, did you spend much time with Kenny Everett then? A lot of time. I spent a long time with Kenny. Kenny and Dave Cash. In fact, Dave Cash and I carried on being friends right through until he joined Invicta. And then from Invicta, he went to Radio Kent. Uh, I'd gone from Invicta, then I went to um, Kiss FM. Yeah. From Kiss FM, I went to Capital Radio. Well, it was Capital Gold then. Yeah. Then I, went to, then I launched Talk Radio. Yeah. We, which was the original Talk Radio when we first launched it. Then I went back to Capital Gold. Uh, and I was at Capital Gold for what, eight years, and then I left left Capital Gold. Something happened to me, and I ended up in prison wrongfully. Yeah. And then that took five months for me to go to court. They cleared my name. Then I came out. Then I did a little bit with SFM in Sittingbourne, and I retired. Well, uh, well, well, we'll get back. I, I, I know all about the troubles that you've had, and it, that must have been absolutely horrendous. And uh, we're, 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 we're jumping forward a bit because I want to know watching. I mean, watching uh, Kenny Everett and Dave Cash. I mean, that—that yeah. that is the, the best lesson you can get in radio. Watching those two at work together, that must have been incredible. Uh, I have to tell you, watching Kenny Everett work, the was genius, unbelievable. It, it was—it was more than a genius. He—he he was like a god. Yeah. And you know, the great thing about it is, I got so close to him. Obviously, being a big guy as I was, I mean, I, I used to go all sorts of places with Kenny, uh, and then I used to go with loads of places with Dave as well. Yeah. Uh, and then. He took me to his production studio, and he showed me how he did his jingles. Oh, those you wonderful know, put... overdubs and the, the harmonies and stuff. Oh, man, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, I learned a lot. And the thing is, because now that stuff is still not easy to do on computers, but it's so much easier. He would have been doing that splicing tapes together and all of that yes, kind of was. stuff, and, and which it is was. incredible. There was no computers. Yeah, there was no computers in these days. Yeah. There was a computer, but it wasn't. It was like a big computer. Nothing compared to what you can do nowadays. In those days, it was all done on tape. He used to record his voice, and he'd just go back and re-record his voice over that voice, wow. and then re-record it another tape, and he used to slice things together. And you it got to see him. You got to see him do that. Yeah, I saw, wow. I saw it with my own eyes. Wow. Yeah, he taught. He taught me how to do it. <laughs> oh man, I'm so envious of you, Cs. That's incredible. <laughs> what a thrill! Oh, man, it was. It was that's what. That's what. Uh, that's what made me. Um, when, when you when you started doing the radio on your own with Capital and stuff, what what kind of stuff were you doing? Music radio, obviously. What kind of stuff were you playing, and what was what were you kind of chatting about in between the songs? Well, do you know what? This is the ironic thing. This is really crazy. Yeah. Richard Park. Now, Capital Gold was an actual fact of music station. Yeah. Now, because there was football on before me, what Richard Park said, listen, I don't want to change Caesar as in Caesar. I want you to carry on doing what you did at Talk Radio mm. and what you've been doing at Invictor Radio. I want you just to be yourself. Forget the music policy. Forget the playlist. And I said, well, look, can I choose my own music to go with my style of show? And I did the wind-ups. I started doing wind-ups on the radio. Yeah. I, was, I turned it into a phone-in show. In fact, that was the first time that Capital Gold went from an all-music station yeah. to a speech station, well, a speech show. It was the only time throughout the whole show, throughout the whole week's format, that there was speech on it between 8 and midnight when I was on. Yeah. It was it was probably fifteen percent music 
and the rest was checked. Isn't that incredible? It, and to be given, I've, I've worked with Richard, he was never that kind to me, but to be given that amount of freedom to, you know, yeah. do, do, here's your three hours, you do what you want with it, we trust you. That, that is, uh, that's a rarity these days. Well, I have to say, I mean, you know, don't take my word for this. You can actually look at Rajar. Yeah. When I joined Capital, when I joined Capital Gold, there were 13th most listened to radio station in London. By the time I'd finished, they become the third mm. most listened to radio station in London. My view, my the audience that I had, according to Rajar, was three point six million. Blimey, blimey! Because and radio eight, stations eight would kill for that today, wouldn't they? Oh, they would. But radio stations today, I have to say to you. I don't even listen to radio anymore. No. Yeah, I find English radio is boring. This is... You know, I, all it is now is music and commercials. Go on, talk, because I, I kind of agree with you, with, with, a, with a couple of exceptions. I, I tend to listen to speech radio as opposed to music radio. Uh, uh, but I agree yeah. that a lot of radio in, in this country now is... Um, is bland. There are no personalities well, like Kenny Everett, like Caesar the Geezer. You know, it, it it really has been blanded down. I just wonder what your thoughts were on that. I have to be honest with you. I mean, okay, it's 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 owned. I think all the radio stations now are owned by one company, virtually, Pretty much. and they have the same. Yeah, they have the same structure. It's basically music. The uh, the radio presenters bless their hearts. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that they're crap or rubbish. They are good radio presenters, but they're going under a new regime, mm. and it's basically music and commercials. It's commercials, it's making money. You know, the, 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 you know, the days that they say they used to have local radio, that doesn't exist anymore. No. Because everything's now syndicated to save money. So you have one presenter going out on X numerous amount of radio stations, and what does he do? He just sits and plays music, does a little bit of speech content, and plays the commercials. Yeah. That's what radio, I find. Yes, you're right, there are... Things like LBC in London that I, I, I listen to. Talk radio, I still listen to. I'm not a sports fanatic, but I listen in the evenings. Yeah. I enjoy listening in the evenings. Hang on a minute. You don't, you well, you don't that. listen to Jason uh, Cundy and Andy Goldstein, do you? I do. Actually, switch yeah. the. Caesar! <laughs> they're, switch those idiots yeah. off and come over to talk radio and listen to me at 10 o'clock. Well, now that I know you're on it at 10 o'clock, <laughs> I promise you I will start listening to you. Oh, what happened to a, an old friend of mine, James Whale? Oh! Uh, un- unfortunately, James Whale um, went insane and murdered several people. That's what I thought. No, I always said he'd go down that he, road. No, James is, uh, James, is back, James is back at Talk Radio now. He's, he does, he's, on, he's on air now. He's on at 7 till 10. Oh, is he? Well, good luck to him. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what it was. He took over from me when I left, or when I was sacked, in fact. Um, you... Actual radio. You were doing... Now, were you doing... You were doing 10 till 1. Was that at the weekends, or was that in the week? No, that was during the week, Monday to Friday. I was doing 10 till 1. See, I've got your slot every seats. Every night... Yeah, you've got my slot at the moment, which is brilliant. Good luck to you. Thank I you, man. you really well. That must have been... It, for me, um... For me, it's the best slot. When I came in, I said, there's only one slot I want to do. It's 10 o'clock at night until one in the morning. Because for me, that is when radio gets a bit exciting, a bit dangerous. It's when yeah, the characters absolutely. are out there. How did you, how did you find it, Caesar? What, what, what did you like so much about you that slot? Listen, that, that is the right slot for, for a talk show that's a little bit dangerous, a little bit controversial. That is the best time to do it. You can't do it any other time of the day. Mm. You can't do it during the breakfast show. You can't do it in the afternoon. In the evenings, you have real listeners, real audience, real people. And that's the people that you want to 
to be able to sit there and broadcast to. They are the people that you want to entertain. They are the people that appreciate you the most. The ones during the day, um, with the greatest respect to them, they don't have time to sit there and get involved yeah. in radio. They're busy doing their work or they're busy doing this or they're busy doing that. You're in the background. Yeah. In the nighttime, it's a different story. They're laying in bed and they're listening to you. They're listening to your voice. They're listening to your conversation. They get involved because they feel passionate. That is the best time slot you could possibly have. I'm glad you've got it. I really am. Thank you, mate. And, and do you know what? It, it turns out that we, we share quite a lot of similar views on radio. I agree. The, 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 the people are paying much more attention to you when you're on, when, you know, 11.30 at night. And, uh, and admittedly, see, there are a few drunks and stoners out there as well that, that um, kind of phone, phone up. You were famous for your wind-ups, of course. Yeah. How did you, how did you start doing those? Do you know who taught me? Go on. Kenny Everett. The governor. He yeah. was the one that, he was, the governor told me exactly what it is. And it, to become, I, I got labeled this shock jock. I don't know why the hell I was ever labeled as a shock jock, because I'm not really a oh, shock it's a la- jock. It's a really lazy yeah. phrase for someone who's a little bit different, I think, on radio. Yeah, that's it. And unfortunately, when you, when you become, when you stick out in the crowd, uh, and especially within the government, listen, let me teach you one lesson that I have learned the, the, the most serious way. Yeah. If you become too popular, they're very, very quickly to put you down and knock you down. Yeah. I've always found that in radio. When you reach a certain height, something happens to bring you right back down. Yeah. It always happens that way. I don't know why, but anyway, it happens. Listen, Kenny taught me the best way to wind people up is to lie to them. <laughs> I used to tell people things that I never, ever would say that I believed in a million years. But I used to create arguments on purpose. He taught me. Mm. And he said, wind up. Use your imagination. The biggest wind up that I did was I walked into the studio one night. You know, I didn't even plan it. I just thought, I'll tell you what, let's pretend that we're not allowed to smoke in the studio anymore. And I'm going to do my show from outside. Beautiful. And I did this at Talk Radio. Yeah. It was Talk Radio that I actually did it the first one. All I did was I stretched the microphone out of the studio, hanged it out of the window so you get all the passing traffic, <laughs> had that up on one fader. There was me in the studio with my fader halfway down shouting. Above the, and people actually believed it. People turned up at Oxford Street to, to look for me outside because I'm pretending I'm standing out there. Yeah. And, of course, there's all these people turning up looking for me in the car. Wonderful. Me. And I'm sitting in the studio smoking my head off having a radio show. <laughs> Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. And you were coming up with those wind-ups. It was nearly every night. It was relentless. And the, 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 the one of the things again I love about radio because it wouldn't work on TV is you know I I've, I've, I don't do wind-ups in the same style of you, but I sometimes stretch the truth. And even now, ten yeah. years after I started doing this. People who think they know my act still fall. You know, a, a, a month ago, I said I was going on strike for a week. I'm not going to do any radio for a week because radio is rubbish. So I'm going on strike, and I don't want you to listen to any radio. I had a holiday booked, but people people still bought into it. People thought I was going on strike as a protest, and it's amazing, isn't it, that that, that people trust the radio. Yeah, they do. They trust a presenter. Mm. That's, that's the one. You have a big responsibility. You know, you can be a wind-up merchant, but you must always remember, 
you have a responsibility to your audience and you make friends. There are a lot of lonely people who sit at home and a lot of radio presenters don't know this. This is nothing that Kenny taught me. And in fact, Dave Cash yeah. also taught me. There are people that sit at home who are disabled, who are, <clears throat> who are on their own, who are alone in life, yeah. don't have any family and friends. And they associate with you and you become their friend. Mm. You become their family. So you have to remember that, you know, you do have to remember that. There is a, a certain, listen, I've upset a lot of people in my life. Yeah. I've upset a lot of friends through my wind-ups. And they've seen the funny side of it maybe two to three weeks later. But in those two to three weeks, they've hated me. <laughs> but then when they realize this and the pennies dropped, they've got all that little bugger. Yeah. He's such a bugger. He's really got me going. And the amount of things that I've done to people. I mean, can I, can I tell you something really, really strange? And I never thought this would ever happen. Yeah. I've convinced everybody through history, Nostradamus, I convinced everybody that the moon was going to uh, collide with a meteor. I remember this. I and remember I this. And I said it was going to happen at one o'clock in the morning and it was going to be so bright people had to wear their sunglasses, otherwise they would go blind. <laughs> now, I finished my radio show at midnight and I was driving home and there were people sitting in their garden out in the front on the roof with sunglasses <laughs> looking at the moon waiting for this disaster. What a great wind-up. I remember that. And the thing about your wind-ups, as far as I remember, they weren't, they, they, there was no meanness to it. It was, it, you know, no, saying that, I mean, you may have terrified a few old women about the moon, but it, it wasn't <laughs> mean. It was all, it was all, you know, it was all good-natured and good-humoured. Yes, absolutely. Everything I've ever done has been through good humour and good-natured. Nothing to harm anybody or to, to you know radicalize anybody or upset anybody i would never do that that's not in me as a, as a human being full stop um what well, something that just popped into my head i remember as well we there's a name that's been mentioned on my show a few times in the last couple of weeks you used to work with gary jacobs didn't you yes i did he was a good friend of mine he used to be one of my he was one of my resident lawyers we uh, him and eric hall oh yeah <laughs> we had eric hall on the other we had um for some reason, we, we had a caller that reminded me of Gary Jacobs, and I kept getting him to say, I don't want your life story, just get to the question caller, which was yeah, Gary's kind it. of catchphrase, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was indeed. It was, he was an unbelievable guy. Short, massive. He was fatter than I was. Wow. Gosh. Um, but he, and he was Jewish, bless him. Also, but what a great guy, and what knowledge he had. Yeah, yeah. You know, the knowledge that that guy had. Another one, Jeremy Beadle. You know, people thought he was just a wind-up merchant. But you know what? I've never, ever met more of a cleverer man yeah. than Jeremy Beadle. Now, uh, he, he was amazing. I've had so many people rec recommend that I go and li I, I hunt down some Jeremy Beadle. Because apparently he was... I never heard him on the radio. But apparently he was brilliant on the radio. He was. He was very good on the radio. He was excellent. He was absolutely... And he was there in the original Talk Radio when Talk Radio first launched. Yeah. As Talk Radio UK, he was there. Yeah, uh, the guy was a genius. Where, what do you remember of the launch of Talk Radio? What, when was it? 94, 95? It was, 90, it was the day after the national launch, the national lottery launch. Okay. So the day that the national lottery, lottery was launched, it was the day after, yeah. and I was the first voice that actually went out on Talk Radio. Yeah. So I remember that really, really and, well. And what, was the, what, was the what was the first show? What was, what was, do you remember what the first show was you did? Uh, well, yeah, I was in the evening, it was at night, at 10 o'clock. Yeah, and, and what were you talking about? Um, in fact, I was talking about the National Lottery. Right. Uh, what else happened? That was it the air disaster that happened. Yeah. Um, and who else mm -hmm. was it? 
Um, I've put oh. you on the spot. I couldn't even tell you what I was yeah. doing yesterday, to be honest, Caesar. So I don't know why I've asked you <laughs> what you were doing twenty odd years ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, my memory is fairly good, but no, yeah, I, I remember talking about the lottery. I can say that much. Yeah. Are there any callers that stick out? Because I've got callers that have followed me through all the different radio stations. Um, uh, did, did Nigel from Maidstone, did he ever call you? Yes. He, he oh, was... my God. Is, is he still alive? Yeah, unfortunately. He's the guy that, um, that sings... Well, now he's singing songs about Miley Cyrus, but I'm sure he, he, oh, he was no. writing... And he sings the talk radio jingle. I've written a jingle for you, Ian. Is, did he oh, used to call you? No. Yes, he did, actually. Yes, I remember him well. And also Reg. Did you ever get a call from Reg? No, I didn't know Reg. Go on. What was he? Reg was the... Well, he was the racist. Um, he hated women. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was the most offensive person that I trained to go on the radio. And he used to a lot of people up. <laughs> we- he was my best secret weapon. We have one of those called Jonathan um, from Swansea, who's, who's the, is the same, hates me, hates women, hates gays, hates, um, you know, all different races. Yeah. And people say, people say, well, why do you let him on? Because it's yeah. so entertaining. I'm not, not condoning what he says, but as a listener, you know, I'm a fan of radio. That's what I want to hear. Well, listen, exclusively to your show and your show only. Yes, sir. I am now going to reveal my biggest secret. Oh, no, don't. Reg was actually one of my characters. No, really? Yeah. Reg, I used to put Reg on when I wanted to, to talk about something specific in the news. Yeah. That was offensive. I used Reg to bring it up and make it worse than what it was in the news. Beautiful. So was he and a mate I of yours to, then? He was my best friend. <laughs> I love it. And I used to attack him on the radio and people used to ring up a green with me. Yeah. And hated. I mean, I made Reg the most hated person in the in the UK. How wonderful! I'm getting a vibe off you that you know you still you'd still love to to come and do something if that opportunity arose. I think if if radio, if uh, listen, I've been off the radio, I've been off the grid for about ten years. I had a serious heart attack. Oh really? When was that? Uh, this was going back in October last year. Oh blimey! Now before that, I worked for a major company and uh, who owned thirty-two bowling centres. Yeah, and I used to be their marketer. I was like the owner's right-hand man, basically to yeah. an extent. And I used to do the marketing promotion. The stress just got a little bit too much for me. And then I decided, look, enough is enough. I'm sixty years old now. Flipping, I'm still, I'm still young. Yeah, but I'm still sixty. But I'm still young. Now, Caesar, six, sixty-eight, young mate. That's quite. You're getting quite old. I'm going to be honest. You're yeah, getting, that's it. You got it. You're getting up. I decided to. I, I decided to come out to Cyprus. I got a villa in Cyprus. Oh, beautiful. This is December. And it's beautiful. But yeah, if the opportunity arose. If somebody's offered me a full-time job back on the radio, I probably would take it. Yeah. I'm not lying to you. I probably would, yeah. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Hello, Cass here. You're listening to a special show that Ian and I have been putting together for you over the past few weeks. This is a massive radio geekathon, but please don't be put off by that because it's more than that. What it is is a collection of conversations with some of the finest storytellers in broadcasting. These are the characters who have made this time of night on the radio their own over the years, keeping kids like you me and Ian Lee awake, entertained and feeling like we were part of the best secret club in the world. So, let's catch up with Ian now and a brilliant conversation he had with another of his late night heroes. Mike Mendoza, can you hear me? Hey, Ian Lee, can you hear me? It's nice to hear your voice. 
Thank you. I used to love your show, and um, we'll, we'll talk about the talk sports show in a bit, but I just wondered how you got into it, how you got into radio. Right, it's, it's, uh, I'm going back to 1970. Yeah. I was working in a bar late at night, and the local radio station, this was in Auckland in New Zealand, and uh, the management of the local radio station used to come in and drink every night in our bar, and one night, just after midnight, the phone rang, and it was uh, the radio station to say that the overnight disc jockey hadn't turned up. <laughs> And uh, everyone in the bar was as pissed as newts. Yeah. And uh, they said, oh, what are we going to do? And I said, I could do it. And they said, why? And I said, I've done it before. And I hadn't, obviously. Yeah. And, they had, and the next thing I know is a set of keys come over the top of the bar. Oh. And uh, I stayed with that radio station for 10 years. So. Oh, that is, I mean, that is beautiful. Whenever, you know, <clears throat> young people say, well, how, how do I get a he- How do I get a start? How do I get a foot <laughs> on the ladder? You, you, you can't really say, well, you've just got to be hanging out in a bar at the right moment. That's a beautiful it, it story. The right at the right time, isn't it? It is, you know, and, and people ask me, how did I get into radio? Well, I did a little bit of radio before I was on the TV, but not much. But I, I kind of cheated, you know. I was on TV at a time when... Radio people thought that if you were on TV, you must be able to do radio as well, which of course is nonsense. They're two completely, you know, it's two, yeah. two completely different things. Yeah. But that's kind of how I got um, my break. What kind of show were you doing then, Mike? I started off with uh, just music shows. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, sort of overnight shows. I always started off with overnights, and I ended up with overnights, which is rather weird. Mm. Um, and then we went on to a breakfast show. I was doing late night uh, phone in shows. We were one of the first radio stations in New Zealand, in fact, probably one of the first radio stations in the world, uh, to do uh, phone-in programmes. Mm. And uh, then from there I went to the breakfast show, and the rest is history. You say the phone-in show, because I don't really listen to much music radio. It, it, mm. it's, it's speech on <clears throat> Radio 4, and it's phone-in on stuff like talk and LBC and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and you say you were one of the first people to do it. What, what was the reaction when you, you know, that first day you threw open the phone lines and invited people to call in... And talk to you. It was very tame. Uh, there was no, there was no controversy. There was no shock jocks in those days. Um, going back to nineteen seventy, so that's quite a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and in New Zealand, it was very restricted as well on what language you could use. I mean, you couldn't use the word God. You couldn't say damn. You couldn't say blast. You couldn't say bloody. You had to be very careful what you said. <laughs> wow! Isn't that incredible? And I, you say that's in New Zealand. I imagine that would probably be, have been the same in the UK at the at the same time. Uh, probably not. I wasn't here at the time. Yeah. So I no, but uh, I mean, in America, they're still very strict. Uh, as you know, when I was at TalkSport, mm. uh, we did uh, a phone-in program on a Friday night uh, to KABC in Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, when I linked up there, and suddenly I said something about, this is bullshit. And suddenly through my headphones, an American voice says, hey, Mike, you just use the word shit. <laughs> And uh, it just wasn't allowed. That's not so long ago. <laughs> and it is no. And, and America. I know that American TV is 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 really strict on language, and you, yeah. it, which is which is a real surprise to a lot of people. They would, oh. you know, they would think that that kind of anything goes over there. And obviously, there are there are you know um, cable channels on radio and, and 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 television where you can be a bit freer with the language. But it is. Um, it is still very strict over there. You know, for the country that brought you a sort of Playboy and Beaver and other uh, pornographic material, mm. it's a bit strange. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, what? You, at what point did you real? Was it quite early on that you realised that you could make a career out of this? Um, that's, uh, right place, right time. I was in my early twenties. Yeah. 
and uh, I never even thought about it. It just just went from strength to strength, really. Isn't that yeah, that's the that's the beauty of youth? And I love that thing you said as well. And I think more people should do this. When um, y- you lied and said, "Yeah, I can do it. I've done it before." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that that arrogance of youth, the cockiness of youth. And I think more people should do that and and get up and have a go at stuff. Yeah, but the thing is, I was awful. I mean, I've listened back to tapes over the last few years of stuff I did very early days, yeah. sort of early seventies, and I wouldn't give myself five minutes on the radio. Yeah, it was awful. I don't know how my voice matured the way it did. But it, it's um, were you? You're not saying you were all squeaky and high pitched then, were you? Cause uh, reasonably, yeah. Really? Yeah. And then I, I, I was put a strained voice on because I think in those days it was the in thing when you announced her presenting music. Say, and now you go to this is how you. You know, you put a really weird voice on, and then as as the years went on, you become more natural. Uh, 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 the few times I've done music radio, I do uh, the, the first ten minutes. I, I I do that voice. I do the Blackburn voice. You know, yeah. Tony Blackburn is a brilliant broadcaster, but but yeah. there, there should be only one. And I do what I think a DJ should sound like. Exactly, you know, and yeah. it, it, you, it, yeah. it takes a long time, or it's ta- it's taking me a long time to get. You know, my voice, my natural voice. Um, so that was all in New Zealand. That was uh, in New Zealand. Then I went off to Australia. Yeah. Bre- breakfast shows in New Zealand, Australia. I uh, came back to England for a very short while and couldn't get into radio in the UK. This was, uh, well, it was probably mid to late 70s. And mm. uh, suddenly got a phone call out of the blue from a, an Australian radio station. And they said, oh, uh, do you fancy coming back to Australia? I don't know how they found me, but they found me somehow. And I said to do what? And this was for 4AK in a place called Toowoomba, which is in Queensland. And they said, we'd like you to do the breakfast show. And I said, well, what's it worth? And they said, they mentioned, they said, what sort of money are you looking for? And I said, some silly amount of money. And they said, we'll call you back. And they called me back about 20 minutes later. And I said, oh, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll take that because they agreed to pay me what I wanted. Yeah. <clears throat> I said, the only problem is um, I've got no money and I need to get over there. So I need you to pay my airfares. And they said, oh, we can do that. It's not a problem on the condition you were here on Monday. This was on Friday when they phoned me. Uh, and I said, but the other thing is I've got a family as myself and, and uh, my wife and, and one child at the time. And they said, oh, we've had to call you back. So they called me back and they said, right, as long as you're here Monday, we'll pay for you and your wife and your child to, to be here on the Monday. And I said, the only thing is I'm, I've got nowhere to live. I've got no money. <clears throat> Any chance of you arranging accommodation? And I really tried it on. So I got the accommodation. Yeah. And I said, one last thing, because they know anything else you want. I said, one last thing. I said, with a family, I want to get around. Don't know where I am. I need a car. Uh, can you arrange a car for me? Oh. And they said, we'll have to call you back. Beautiful. <laughs> and I got everything I wanted. I isn't couldn't believe that, it. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, yeah. What did your missus say, though, when you went home on Friday and said, start packing, love, we're moving? And we weren't very happy in the UK at the time anyway, right. so we were very happy to get she, Oh, so she that. jumped at the chance. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, how did you get back in the UK? How did, how did you, you, you finally start working over here? Um, well, I, I, got, I was very well established in, in Bluff, Australia, New Zealand. I did nine months in America as well. Oh, what did you do in America? I, I did after an evening show in, in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. What was that like? <clears throat> that was great. That, that was good fun, too. But then they realised I was working illegally. Oh. And it was uh, no green card. It was time to go. <laughs> oh, what, what a shame. What, what a different yeah. story it could be if, 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 you, uh, if you'd had the permits and stuff. I know, exactly. Yeah. So I came back here. And just out of the blue, I got a, a, a first. I think I tried. I joined Radio Sussex at the time, BBC yeah. Radio Sussex, yeah. and did some part-time stuff for them. Uh, I joined Radio Mercury, which is in Crawley. That's uh, no longer going, unfortunately. I joined. I was the very first voice on Southern Sound in Brighton. Wow! Yeah, that opened. Um, and where else was I after that? Then I went to London, joined Spectrum Radio for a while. 
And from there, the boss from Spectrum Radio left there and joined LBC, became the boss of LBC, and offered me a job at LBC. And from then, it really was history. You know, it just went from strength to strength from there. You mentioned so many little local radio stations. And Mm. I think one of the the great shames is that that they're not around anymore. There are the BBC stations, but they're all... I find them quite similar. But those small little independent commercial stations, they've all been swallowed up by the big companies. And not only that, do you know, when you first start in radio, what's the first thing you do? You do mid-dawn shift, which Mm. is known as the graveyard shift, uh, which was a a killer for a lot of people. I I mean, I always loved working overnight. And, uh, you know, these days you cut your teeth on overnights. There's no overnights anymore because they either network it or it's pre-recorded. And you just don't get the opportunity now. That you have well, Radio before. 2 had that thing recently, didn't they? Where they said, we're going to cut the overnights to save yeah. money. And it's like, God, I mean, I, I didn't particularly, it wasn't my cup of tea. But um, those poor souls that are up at three o'clock in the morning because they're working or because they've got babies or because they're ill or because of whatever. They, I, I, I think it's criminal to deny them live interaction on the radio. Do you know, when I was doing Talk Sport, we hit a million audience overnight, which I think was a record yeah, uh, at I the time for, for commercial radio at night time. Yeah. And we were getting calls from literally all over the world. Mm. I ran a competition for, for about six months or so on Talk Sport, yeah. uh, which was uh, to find the best musicians in the world. And we had a music competition. And the winners were a band from Canada who actually came over here and did a couple of gigs. <laughs> we're going to get to the to the talk days in a bit, but mm. LBC because I, I I did a few years at LBC. Where, yeah. When were you there, and what were you doing there? Oh my God! Um, again, and I'm making my... you troll your memory banks, Mr. I Mendoza. Know. I was in three different buildings and about five different formats. I think we started off in Hammersmith. Uh, the old, um, I can't remember the name of the building now, but it was just after uh, Lady uh, Porter was uh, finally kicked into, into touch. Yeah. Uh, there was a takeover then, so I joined then. So I was with them for quite a few years. I was there for 11 years. So, yeah, I was there for 11 years. Wow. I think of it. Yeah. Um, and, do, and phone-in shows then? Yes. You always on phone news. Uh, and, and LBC, of course, now is, is, is a completely different beast from when I was there eight years ago. It's a different beast altogether. Uh, what, what were the kind of stuff you were... T- it, it, it would have, and it would have just been in London then. What, what were the kind of stuff you were talking about on there? Absolutely everything. And I had a lot of MPs on as, as, as guests. Uh, I had a lot of party nights. A lot of uh, the audience were invited in to join in parties. We had party nights in the studio. Yeah. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. We had real fun nights. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. I'm a proper radio geek. And one of the mm. reasons I like radio is it's so intimate. It is yeah. completely different from television where it's, it, it's quite impersonal. Radio, you, particularly if you're doing late nights or through the nights, um, you're speaking to one person who's probably in bed or one person who's getting ready for bed or yep. one person who's, who's, who's in the kitchen on their own cooking tomorrow's lunch, you know, doing the packed lunches. Um, it's a really intimate medium. I mean, I've got, I have pillowcases made that say I sleep with Mike Mendoza. <laughs> and then we gave thousands of those away. I and remember I those. T- and I go, and you've got one of my T-shirts. I um, have got I have got a Mike <laughs> Mendoza T-shirt <laughs> i got a photograph of you wearing it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, how, did you, how did you get over to talk? What, 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 was, what happened there? That was a very funny story. I had a phone call. I was, actually, I was looking for a job. I want, I was, in a way, I had enough of uh, LBC at the time. Yeah. And uh, I listened a lot to, to uh, talk radio at the time, and it changed over to, uh, <laughs> as you know, talk, talk sport. Mm. And I just got this phone call out of the blue, and uh, this guy said to me, uh, is that Mike Mendoza? So I said, yes. He said, um, this is, and he said his name from, from talk sport. And I said, oh, yeah. And I, I thought it was a friend of mine winding me up, because yeah. I hadn't heard of this guy before. And, uh, and I said, oh, yeah. And he said, um, what would it take for you to come over to talk sport? And I said, well, a lot of money and, uh, and a lunch. 
And he said, uh, OK, I will get back to you. Because I didn't take any of this seriously. And about yeah. uh, 20 minutes later, the phone rang again. <clears throat> and it was the boss from Talk Sport, who I knew the name, but didn't know him. But said this was the person I knew of. Yeah. And uh, suddenly he's on the phone. He said, you, did you think that was a phony call you had just now? And I said, yes. He said, well, he's actually the program director. And I asked him to call you. Uh, yes, we can give you the money. And B, we will give you um, a, a, a lunch. Come and join us. Come, <laughs> come and speak to us, which I did. So we all went up in London, had a nice lunch. And uh, told them what I wanted, which I which I got, and uh, they said, "Can you start in?" Uh, you obviously have to give a month's notice to to uh, OBC, mm. and I said, "Yeah, of course I will." And so I joined you next month, which was which was fine, and um, got went back to OBC, and I explained to to the boss there that I've been off the job at. at uh, at Talksport. By the way, the first thing he said to me, Talksport, was I hear you're number one, at the time, number one in London on commercial radio. Yeah. And they said, we're not number one, but we want to be, and that's why we want you to come here. Brilliant. So I went back to, obviously, explained the whole conversation, what happened, and uh, the guy said, you what? I said, well, I've got to leave, here's my notice. He said, no one leaves. I said, we fire people, but no one leaves. No one's left LBC before. Wow. I said, well, here's the first, because I'm actually leaving. Yeah. And they said, you can't do that. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I've agreed, and, and I'm going. And they said, well, will you do us one favor? And, and you probably know this from radio. Yeah. When you say you're leaving, you leave. They don't give you any time to come back on air and explain where you're Oh, going. that's it. You, ne you never hear that's a presenter right. doing their last show. No, no. So they said to me, would you do us a favor? I said, yeah. They said, would you work, work the month's notice, which, which I thought was a bit weird, on the condition you do not mention on air, uh, and we can trust you because we know you've been here so long, we know we can trust you. Wow. Uh, don't mention on the air that you're leaving until the last day, but you mustn't say where you're going. So literally, I stayed there for another month and did, did what I had to do, and uh, and I left. That's incredibly trusting yeah. of them, because because the the fear <laughs> is um, for the, for people listening to this, you're wondering why that's an odd thing. The fear is that if 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 you're leaving, the presenter will go on air and either slag off the management or say, "Well, this is my last show, but don't worry, you can catch me on another radio station," right. and, and and you'll steal the audience away. And that's um, right. I. I don't, I'm trying to think. I've I've never done my last show. I've always, you know, had a phone call that day and said thanks very much. Don't come back. You know, not knowing it was my last show. It's um, it's a strange one, that isn't it? Yeah, I mean, a couple of times I, I was when they kept changing management at LBC. Uh, management don't like me at times, and I got kicked out I think twice uh, there, and I got brought back again after a lot of protests in the public. Uh, and the same thing happened at, at Talk Sport as well. I mean, we had to change the management there, and, uh, and I was kicked down, I think, at least twice. And, and twice, through public demand, I, I was brought back. And then, of course, the final time, when, when I actually left, yeah. um, and again, no notice there, by the way, I did actually yeah. suddenly leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, again, new management. The guy came in, and he said, um, look, I don't like you. I don't like your show. You won't be staying. Yeah. And I said, well, hello, how are you? <laughs> My name's Mike. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's no, no niceness about it at all. Yeah, I, I um, you know, the, the management takeovers, I've never fared well <laughs> in a management takeover. And it is, it's, it's just down to uh, whether the new boss yeah. likes you, you know, yeah. and, they, and, and, and it can be a silly little thing or it, it can just, but, you know, we, we all listen to people on the radio and go, oh, I don't really like them, but we're not making the decision about their, um, their career. How long were you at Talk, Mike? You were there for years, weren't you? Uh, about six years, yeah. 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 Um, and, um, it was, now what slot were you doing? Were you doing 10 till 1? Um, it was a mixture. I, I did overnights, I did 10 till 1. It was more overnights than anything else. I, I, I always preferred overnights. W really? Why? I just do. It's a great, it's a great audience overnight. Mm. And it's something I can really build on as well. Yeah, I know, what you, I, I know what you mean. When I came here, I, I asked for the 10 to 1 slot. And, and they said, well, why, why are you not asking for drive or breakfast? And I said, well, there's too much pressure on those slots. Mm. And I, I, I just think the late, after about 10 o'clock... 
the the caliber of the callers you get is compl- I think they're so much more interesting the characters yes. that ring up you know around about midnight than the ones you get at midday I think there's so much more to them oh very much so yeah and I, I'm really surprised that no one's ever contacted me from, from the Utah radio, to be honest with you. Well, now we're having this conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess because, A, I've never put myself about. I've always, in the past, been approached and, and asked to join somewhere. Mm. But I was, I was just surprised no one ever contacted me from mm. there. So, you know, would you be interested in joining us? It's never, never happened. And I'm, I'm, gl- oh, oh, no. I'm, I'm, in, I'm glad you brought that up, because I do want to ask, because I am doing weekdays, 10 till 1, mm-hmm. and I know that, you know, years and years ago, we had a pretend beef, one of those lovely theatrical... You hear me, you bastard. Yeah, it was all of that, and it was <laughs> lovely. And I mean, we c- you couldn't get away with doing that now, mentioning another host on another radio station. Oh, yeah. God, but it was it was wonderful, and it was fun, and um, we both took it in the spirit it was intended. Um, and I just wondered what your thoughts were on me doing a slot that... Um, that used to be yours. We I mean, apart from being very jealous, um, and this I've always loved you. I've, I've always thought you were great on television, by the way. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a great fan of yours, in all, in all seriousness. And I've always enjoyed your radio shows, even uh, even at uh, LBC. I mm. thought they were great, some of the calls you had and what you did. And, and certainly with Barry of Watford, I think yeah. it's incredible what you did there. You know, when you built up, built up personalities, and, that, and that's brilliant. But you're... But you're, you're... Well, actually, we ended up in the same place once, didn't we? We would play radio for a short while. We did end up there for a little while. Oh, God, that was a, a weird, <laughs> was a weird <laughs> thing. But because I know what it's like to have lost jobs and to yeah. see other people taking, you know, what I perceive to be um, my job. And and you mentioned jealousy there. Maybe you were joking, or not, but it's, it's something I struggle with, jealousy, mm-hmm. when I see mm-hmm. other people. You know, when I did the 11 o'clock show, I was working with Gervais and Sasha Baron Cohen. And for a long time, I watched them go off and have careers in Hollywood and make him, you know, millions of dollars. And I was jealous, Mike, you know, and I, I couldn't watch it. I've, not, I've never seen Bora. I can't really? watch it. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it because for a long time, I was jealous. I'm, I'm not so much now. I'm pretty cool with it. But um, it, it, the, the jealousy really got to me. Is, that, is, is it a thing that, that upsets you? Um, sometimes. When I see someone who's, uh, who's got no talent, mm. who, who can get on and do what, uh, what I should be doing, then mm. yeah, I, I get a bit hurt. Mm. I wouldn't say I'm jealous. I, I think I get hurt over it. I've just been very, very lucky because the last, uh, oh, how many years now? The last five years or so I've been working in television. Um, uh, but now I've, I've sort of li- literally decided enough is enough and I'm, I'm retiring from all that um, and just decide what I'm going to do for the future, which at the moment I don't know. Um, wh- uh, you're doing TV down in Brighton, is that right? Uh, no, I finished doing that. I handed my notice in a few weeks ago. Oh, OK. Three weeks ago. OK. Uh, but I work for one of the global news channels on one of the Sky channels. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've, you've knocked it all on the head. What are you going to do? Well, I don't know. I'm waiting for Talk Radio to give me a call. <laughs> I'll pass on your number. Um, good memories of doing that show because it was a cracking listen. It was. I tell you what. I, why I, what I liked about you was, and again, you you mentioned the comparison with Wogan. Mm. Um, it was just really laid back. Yeah. C- conversation. You know, it was like it was like <clears> I was eaves- when you had a caller on. It was like I was eavesdropping on two people having a chat, and I, I, I love that, and that's perfect. That's, you know. that's what it should be. I think. Do you know, it, for, for me, talk sport was the, the, was the dream job for me, and it was the best job I've ever had in, in probably 40 odd years of radio. I, re- I really did enjoy it then. It was a great team to work with. Mm. And, and the audience and our callers were just brilliant. Mm. You know, I've got a lot of very fond memories. A lot of callers still keep in touch with me. And, you know, it's six, what, six, seven years ago since I left uh, talk mm. sport. And now, even now in the street, people will stop me and say, you, aren't you Mike Mendoza? 
Although I hate it when people say, weren't you, Mike? Weren't you? Didn't yeah. you used to be Mike <laughs> yeah. Mendoza? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Do you get that thing, because you have got a very distinctive voice, do you get that thing where um, you'll be in the post office and you'll, you'll be, can I get uh, some first-class stamps, please? And someone will tap you on the shoulder going, I, did, I, I used to listen to you. Exactly, yes, we do get that. I, I, and even now, I still get that. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I, I listen, I, I always enjoyed your show, Mike. I always Thank thought you, you were, were a, a, a great listen. I enjoyed um, the relaxed conversation. And I, I enjoyed you. I mean, you had some absolute fruitcakes phoning you up as well. That's, that's... I know sometimes, I mean, I used to send a lot of people up. I was very rude to some people. Yeah. I never really meant what I said. You know, you do it for reaction. Uh, you know, we had a massive audience, and that was the way to build the audience. So you don't necessarily mean what you're saying. Oh, no, I, I agree with that. A lot of people... Um, d- d- don't get the fact. I, I, I really emphasise the fact it's a radio show. It's exactly. a show. It's yeah. a piece of theatre. Yeah, and, and the other thing that really bugs me is you do the show, you go home, it's done. That was that was that was yesterday. Yeah. Tomorrow you're moving on something new. But some people want to carry this on, and they think you know they're going to have a fight with you over what you said yesterday. But that was yesterday's show. As yeah. You say it was a show. The thing the thing that is has, has really changed over the past sort of five years that I've noticed is um, with with Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and emails and texts to a certain extent, but Twitter and Facebook. And you're right. For me, the show finishes at one o'clock. But then, um, uh, you know, there'll be people tweeting me uh, after the show, or the mm. next morning, someone will will um, will post on my face with that thing you said last night was out of order. And it's like, well, yeah. no, hang on, that's that. I like what 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 I liked was was at LBC ten years ago when the show finished. That was it. No one could get in touch with you. The listener couldn't get in touch with me again to pick me up on a point to criticize to praise to w- whatever it was mm. you know it was i kind of liked that element of separation you know that that, that you and, and charlie wolf and tommy boyd that you were kind of um i'm really struggling to express this but once your radio shows had finished that yeah. was it i couldn't yeah. i couldn't get in touch with you again until your show started the next That's day right. well the social media isn't it? it's yeah. killed it in a way yeah that almost made you too accessible now. Yeah, oh, totally. And it, and it's it's decimated the number of calls as well that you get. Oh, really? People, people um, and I've, I've excised Twitter from the show now. We don't use it during the show. Mm-hmm. Um, because people will tweet you a comment. Whereas before, they'll phone up, you know. Yeah, yeah. N- n- Now they will tweet you something, and they will think that's a valid contribution to a show. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, have you caught up with me as Ofcom uh, complaints? Have I had any Ofcom complaints? Yeah, have you caught up with me? How many, how many did you have upheld? I think the No, I've only had one upheld. Right, OK. How many complaints um, did you get? Uh, probably, well, both Wayne and myself, I think we had about uh, 70 or 80 at one time, <laughs> probably a bit more. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Hello, it's Kath here. Now, as you know, Ian's been hit with a particularly powerful bout of tonsillitis and he's still battling through that at home, so lots of love to him. But the thing is... We kind of don't need him in person tonight because over the last few weeks, he and I have been building tonight's show. We've got loads of interviews for you with the people who shaped late night radio in the UK in general and Ian and my work in particular. Now, these are the guys who made both of us fall for this time of the night and we realised that we didn't want to do anything else. So I'll shut up and I'll hand over to Ian and the next of our radio trailblazers. Mr. James H. Reeve, can you hear me? I can, son. Hey, man, how you doing? You all right? Uh, I'm, I'm all right, mate, yeah. I'm now, um, uh, April, May, June, two months, I will be 67 years of age. Blimey. I know. Um, living in a little village in Oxfordshire, doing what I, 
I always wanted to live in a little village somewhere where everybody knows everybody and there's a, you know, a pub and all that. Yeah. And, and through my own efforts and many decades of, of application and hard work, I ended up achieving exactly the bloody opposite. <laughs> and then suddenly, uh, it all, overnight, it all, I went from, you know, talking to retired footballers in smoke-filled rooms yeah. to, uh, I'm a parish councillor. Hey, flippin' heck. What, yeah. what, what, does, <laughs> then what exactly does that mean? What responsibilities have you got? Um, Do I well, come and complain to you if the bins don't get collected? Ah, uh, uh, well, no, you see, that's, that's, that, that, that's, uh, is that local council? Right. Or, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I tell you that, you know, you can't have a porch. But I want a porch. You can't have one, mate. I'll give you 50 quid in an envelope. Done. There we go. You see uh, that's all that democracy at work. You've, isn't it, you've hey? totally got this. <laughs> <laughs> I um, uh, I'm at Talk Radio now, and I'm doing the the night show at Talk Radio. But um, y- you were in Talk Radio twenty what nineteen ninety five was it? Uh, no, it was later than that. It was about two thousand, oh. I think. Oh, okay. I, oh yeah, I was there on uh, Millennium Eve when it uh, you know when it didn't when the fireworks didn't go off. The, and, uh, but luckily, neither did the planes come out of the sky, and the oh, video yeah. recorders still yeah. carried on taping. Yeah, yeah. That was a real anticlimax. The the, the Millennium. Well, uh, someone was saying the other day. Uh, so that was that was all. Uh, all fell through that Millennium bug thing, and, yeah. and some computer nerd said. Yeah, well, it did, but only because we grafted our nuts off. Oh, come on! To make sure it didn't. I'm thinking, what? So all everything was going to reset itself to 1900, <laughs> wasn't it? I, 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 um, at the, just before, a couple of years before that, I was working with my dad, who was a props man at the BBC, oh, and right. um, <clears throat> I was kind of helping him out. And the BBC had made this series of of potential disasters that could happen, and one of them, one of the shows that me and my old man worked on, was what could potentially happen um uh, on midnight uh, uh, with the millennium bug and it was um it was um airplanes crashing out of the sky that's, yeah that's um, cars cars crashing i think because the sensors in the cars the cars would take control of themselves um yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was all stuff like that and hospitals you know all life support machines were going to oh, switch yeah. off that was another one yeah yeah. But no one died. No, 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 no. So were you doing the actual, the the midnight, the the, the New Year's Eve Millennium show? Uh, I'm just trying to think what was... <sighs> the, the, some strange things happened because I was doing like three hours. Yeah. And then uh, they decided they couldn't afford to pay Russell Grant. Gosh. So would I do four? Yeah. And then... They couldn't afford to pay somebody else, so would I do five? Wow! And uh, and then, oh, actually, uh, was it was it Anthony Bellacom? Is he still knocking about? Anthony Bellacom? No, I don't know that name. He, he, uh, management? I, yeah, no, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know that. I, I try and avoid management. Uh, well, ooh, yeah. Uh, well, they come looking for you, don't they? Yes, that's why I do a late night show, so that <laughs> I, I'm. By the time I get in, they've all gone. Yeah, and they're not listening anyway. Are no, they? of course they don't not. Care, yeah. No, no, not at all. Um, no, I, this, I don't know if you've had this moments in your career when you you might have thought, you know, oh, I feel a bit intimidated here, and and then suddenly something happens. You think, hang on, I can take this lot on. Yeah. Um, because I got a phone call from I think I'm sure it was from Anthony Bellacom, saying, uh, look, um, would you mind uh, doing an extra hour tonight because. Uh, 
I think it was when Mike Dickin was still alive. Okay. His health uh, was not in question, although it turned out it was quite <laughs> yeah. seriously in question, unfortunately. But Bellacom said, uh, yeah, would you mind doing an, an extra hour? Because it's rather a, a lot, you know, and, and because the clocks go forward tonight. Oh. I said, well, the clocks go forward? Yeah, yeah. So could you do the extra hour? Well, that's an hour less, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying yeah. to think. Yeah, it's an hour less. Flipping heck. Because it, it goes from two o'clock to three o'clock in the twinkling of an eye. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he rang me at home to ask me. <laughs> and that was kind of your moment when you thought, the, the thought management yeah, enough. Um, <laughs> these people that terrify me. Did you, did you get on with, throughout your career, not just to talk, but did you get on with management? Because I always, um, I, 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 I normally have one person in management that really likes me and bats me and that's how i get the job but everyone yeah. else is always very suspicious and i, I when, when i was i was at um, bbc wm in the west midlands and um the guy there loved me and he went and a new woman came and took over and she said ian your sc- your show scares me yeah. and what she meant by that was um d- 10 minutes before the show i'd say right i'm going to go to the studio and she would say what's on your show today oh, yeah. and i'd go Oh, I don't know. We'll just see what yeah. happens. Yeah. And um, a lot of people in management kind of get frightened of that. So I always need one person to bat in my corner. Did, did you have the? Did you kind of have that same sort of thing with oh, relationship? It, oh, it's a long, long story. Um, I mean, I, I, funnily enough, uh, I read something on a blog the other day by uh, Mark Radcliffe. Oh yeah, and uh, he said. Uh, he, he was replying to a punter who had asked him about me, and he said, I know Jim seems to have this knack of uh, upsetting bosses, <laughs> which he's probably, you know, held his career back. Um, and uh, and th- that's kind of... I, I'm interested that that's the perception. Yeah. Uh, but there seems to be... Some, I don't know. I suppose I reached a stage where... And I, I hope it wasn't in a, you know, you-can't-tell-me-anything sort of mm. mode... But there, there, there is an element of, look, with respect, you know, I have been doing this for a while. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, please don't tell me that, because it's not true, and it won't work, and, and that. And then bosses see their ass, then, you see. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine what it was like at the BBC? Oh, well, I mean, the, the number of bosses that have never made a radio show or yeah, sat in yeah. a studio and had to, had to, you know, make magic out of thin air for three yeah, or four hours... Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, well, at, at Radio Manchester, um, the, the the boss, di- you know, didn't have the station on in the office. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't think they had it in, uh, in in the newsroom. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, also, so, you know, I was in a state of permanent apoplexy at how shambolic the bloody place was. Is that where you started, Radio Manchester? Uh, no, Piccadilly was where I Piccadilly? Oh, yeah. OK. Whenabouts when there? Who, who else was there? At the time, um, Pete Baker. Yeah. Roger Day. Uh, Tony Emerson. Mm. Pete Reeves. Um, and, of course, in, in the, you know, the mid to late 70s, they had, like, a, a big band show and a classical show and Beautiful. religious slot and... Yeah. All sorts of bloody stuff. Yeah, and and seven till ten, you know, when there's little available audience, they had a a rock show, a folk show, a country show, 
An um, Irish show? They pl- places quite often had an Irish show, didn't they? Now, uh, Radio Manchester did. I don't think I don't think Piccadilly did. Uh, Saturday night, and I was this bloke crossed my mind the other day. They had a fella called John D, and he used to do Piccadilly Boogie, <laughs> which was two hours of appalling dub reggae. <laughs> and the, the, the target audience, well, the, and he had a real thick West Indian accent. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, I never actually saw him because I, w- I, was, I wasn't in the station. Yeah. But I used to listen out of you know out of curiosity, really. Okay. And the, the, the only word you could make out on a regular basis was strange ways. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, that's where tickled that my was. fancy. Hey, that's tickled my fancy. That has. <laughs> um, and what were you, what were you doing there? Were you doing? A kind of a straight music show? Were you incorporate? Was it a phone-in show? What, what? No, I st- uh, initially, I was sitting up in bed, uh, contemplating a bleak future, yeah. uh, listening to the fledgling Piccadilly Radio, and they, they ran a trail saying, uh, are you a likely lad, fancy working in radio, why not come in and see us? Uh, so uh, I rang up and got invited to go and see Colin Walters. Mm who was sitting with his feet on the desk looking out of the window into Portland Street. And uh, that's the Portland Street in Manchester, by the way. Of course, yes. And um, (laughs) he says, uh, what are you you then? What are you you all about? And so I told him, well, I must have lied, because I hadn't got anything to tell him, really. I was just, you know, doing nothing. (laughs) Uh, So he gave us a job as sort of a bit of a technical operator stroke logging records which used to have to be done in those days yeah. um taking dedications oh god and uh, brewing up for andy peebles <laughs> <laughs> that's a classic uh, way into it brewing up for andy peebles uh, yeah yeah it's, it was a glamour you know that uh, and then how did you make the transition from t-boy for peebles um to to sit in front of the microphone and doing it yourself Colin Walters, we, we, uh, again, you've got to remember, so much of this stuff was utterly brand new. Yeah. Um, uh, like, for example, you, you could listen to you could listen to uh, Manchester City or Manchester United instead of just having to, you know, w- wait for the look of the draw on uh, the light program. Yeah. You could listen to them every week. Mm. So th- this was this absolutely bloody fantastic. Um, and they had phone-ins, and the idea of a, a radio station where you could phone in and be on the radio just blew people's bloody brains out. And, and it's hard, because now everybody's been on telly, everyone's yeah. got a YouTube channel, everyone's been inside Big Brother. You know, it, yeah. getting at, being on something is easy, and, and in the 70s, it yeah. was a novelty, it was... It yeah, was oh, yeah ra- radio was, was yeah. A, a room somewhere with David Jacobs yeah. and Pete Murray in it, um, I mean, even on the um, the pirates, you know, you didn't get punters on air. No. Um, so we, you know, we used to have a phone in between six thirty and seven thirty, I think. Yeah, that's right. There was half an hour's news. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. From a, a newsroom with a staff of about eighteen. Yeah, of course. Um, then an hour's phone in, and Walters did the. You know, it, it was early shock jock stuff. And then he said to me one day, do you want to, i tell you what, let's double-head this. Oh. And, you know, and, and it was a bit, it wasn't Derek and Clive, but it was a bit, i tell you what it was a bit like. Do you remember, um, 
You probably don't, but, uh Oh, God, what was, oh, sh- You don't, you don't remember it. No, no that's, that, that's how, uh, <laughs> difficult to remember it is. Uh, Ray Gosling. Ray Gosling. Why do I know? Oh, no, I'm thinking of Ron Geeson. No, I, I can't yeah. remember Ray Gosling, no. Ray Gosling was a, a strange bloke who, it all got a bit sordid towards the end, but, but he was a downbeat on site. In fact, the show was called On Site. Right. And Ray Gosling would go to, like, bloody Rochdale or somewhere. Yeah. And get a load of people who were upset about them uh, closing the post office or yeah. something like that. And in the studio would be a bloke called something McGregor. And he would have, like, an expert there. So the thing was, they'd have the expert in the studio, but Gosling was out with the punters, man of the people, standing in his tattered mac in the rain in bloody Rochdale, saying, this is not good enough. And, it, you know, it was all... It was good stuff. That was, that was yeah. Granada. Because, yeah. you know, Granada was very... Uh, um, what's it broke a lot of uh, barriers as well uh, but anyway yeah so we did this kind of uh, uh, slightly antagonistic uh, double header um, and oh god it's so long ago Ian bloody hell do you need to lie down James do you, <laughs> I, I need cup of tea I need to be regressed <laughs> you're feeling very sleepy <laughs> Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. Late night Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. I found you um, probably about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer actually, when I was really getting into working in radio and I was doing LBC and, and loads of people were throwing names at me. Mm. And one of them was yours. Mm. And, um, and I listened to you. And you, you are responsible for, I think, one of the funniest hours of radio I've ever heard in my life. Proper laugh-out-loud funny. When you had, yeah. um, you had a dream expert on. Oh. Do you remember? <laughs> Professor Warwick Hunt. <laughs> it was, oh, you know, it, it took me a while to get it, but I, he, he kept... He, I, after about, towards the end, I thought... No, this isn't no, real. No. It was so beautifully oh, yeah. done, and so when sometimes when when radio presenters have a wind up or something, they really hammer the joke home. But you didn't, and you and this fella, you just played it so yeah. beautifully. It was it was wonderful. Literally one of the funniest hours I've ever heard on the radio. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased. I mean, the, the, the bloke was uh, he was a pal of mine. Uh, he's a he's a comedian of many many years. Yeah experience um and he, he, he's your how old's austin well his real name is jim bell but uh he's spelt, probably turned just turned 60 i would think now what was um, the recurring gag he kept referring to a shop or something didn't he, he well, uh, have you considered double glazing <laughs> all right and the nice thing was that uh, the punters that phoned in some of them realized what was going on yeah and played up to it yeah and others didn't realise what was going on mm. and were genuinely interested in, in what the professor was going to make of their dreams. Yeah. Uh, bearing in mind, of course, that uh, it reduces your heating costs and uh, prevents drafts. Oh, it was delicious. It was delicious. And, um, d- d- don't, like I said, the, the thing I really like about you is it's all very relaxed. And it's something I'm trying to do more as I get older. I've always been very manic and shouty and all of that. And I'm trying to in- sit back and enjoy 
enjoy the lunatics that call in and enjoy the silences and and you you kind of played the silences quite well you you let things hang in the air a bit i I think well i think sometimes you know oh this all sounds dreadfully precious all this but you know say nothing and let the punter work it out and and they they like it they like it all the more because they've done it yeah Yes, I did. I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, I did. It was delicious. <laughs> yeah. It was delicious. But also, uh, I was thinking about, when I knew I was going to talk to you, I was thinking about this. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that, uh, when I, re- I really thought, oh, bloody hell, that was good. And, and there, there haven't been many. But uh, some bloke said to me on the, on the radio one night, and this was before, long before, uh, that's about ten years ago, Professor... Yeah. Of, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Warwick Hunt, of Dreams. Of, of, of what was it? Uh, nocturnal Perambulations. That was it. Yep. Uh, something like that. Delicious. Uh, uh, no, it was a long time before that. This bloke, we were, we were trying to do a bit of serious politics. Yeah. And this bloke said, yeah, but we, we don't have um, uh, diplomatic relations with Albania uh, because it's a communist country. So I said... And I, I could hear myself saying it, and I'm thinking, oh, yes. I said, no, we, we have uh, re- relations with lots of communist countries. The reason we don't have relations with Albania is because of the Straits of Corfu incident of 1946. Oh, horrific event. And, uh, yeah, well, two British uh, destroyers were sunk by mines yeah. that the Albanians, and, and Albania refused to pay compensation, all this sort of thing. And, and I'd, I'd heard somebody say it the previous day on the radio, on, wow. on Radio 4. Wow. <laughs> and I just, I just, just rattled it off. And, yeah, silence, utter silence. And I thought, that's bloody... But, but how's this? My girlfriend at the time worked with a woman who had a very unusual name. Yes. Uh, she was a, a, a midwife. And her colleague's name was Smullen. Her surname was Smullen. Smullen. So, yeah, it sounds kind of Irish or something, yeah. doesn't it? Anyway, and she said, uh, oh, uh, Sister Smullen won a, a thousand quid on the, uh, there used to be this thing called the Greater Manchester Lottery. Yeah. She won a thousand pound. Probably 30 years ago, it was worth having, you know. Yeah. And uh, so a couple of nights later, my tech op says, uh, right, line, line eight, it's somebody smullen. And it's this kid. And uh, I said, what's your name? He said, Joe, uh, Joe Smullen. I said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is your mum a nurse? He said, how do you know that? It was a complete shot in the dark. Yeah. It's just that it was such an unusual name, there was a chance. Yeah. He said, how do you know that? I said, I know everything. <laughs> uh, she just... She just won a thousand quid on the lottery. He 
how do you know that? I said, I know, I know everything. <laughs> and I, I think he went away actually thinking that I do know everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's all smoke and mirrors, isn't it? Yeah, it's all yeah, smoke yeah. and mirrors. It's all, it's all an act. It's all performance. And if you're convincing enough, people will buy everything. Yeah. People will buy everything. Um, do you miss it, James? Uh, or are you glad to be out of it? Sometimes. Uh, no, I, I don't miss it. I, I'm, I, I don't, would it still make sense for me to be sitting there at bloody 60? I know, I know there, there are people doing it. Um, you know, there are 70-year-olds that I know who are still doing it. Uh, I don't. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think I, when, when when we were messaging each other, you jokingly said I only had one trick, and it was what worked in the eighties wouldn't work now. But but but, I do think that someone like I, I don't think the age is a, is a, is a thing. I'm sick and tired of hearing people younger than me on the radio t- talking about stuff and telling me how to live my life and do all of that. And and, mm-hmm. I, and I I do think. That with age, there's a bit of experience, obviously. There was some experience. Mm. Um, and also, I think radio is so bland right now. Um, I listen mainly to speech radio, Radio 4 and Talk and LBC. Oh, of course, and, yeah, yeah. And it's so bland. And the, the, there, the, there's very, there are very few voices like yours that were intelligent, that were, were, were quite dry, um, and had, had kind of a unique twist on things. Everything is, is all the same volume, the same colour, the same... It's all bland. And I think someone like you would sit... I, I, I'd listen. I'd listen at night. Well, that's very nice. I mean, there's a lot of traps to fall into there. There's a lot of the, um, oh, nothing's, you know... Yeah. Like it was in my day yeah. and, and all that sort of thing. The bosses don't know anything. I, I, I honestly don't know, Ian. I, I just... What, what, I, what I know is that I, I managed... I made a, a, an OK living out of doing something that was that I would have probably have been doing anyway. Yeah. Boring people in the pub. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, w- that was easy. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Hi, you're listening to Late Nights with Ian Lee. I'm not Ian Lee, I'm Kath, because Ian's laid up with tonsillitis. But tonight we're celebrating the greats of late night radio in the UK. These are the people that Ian and I, and probably you, were listening to as kids. And they're the ones who made us march into the office here when they launched Talk Radio and insisted that this was the slot we wanted. So, so far we've had Caesar the Geezer, we've had Mike Mendoza, and we've had James H. Reeve. And by the way, these chats are only part of the conversations we recorded with them and i'll be putting the full things out as special podcasts in the week so keep your eye out for those next on oh hang on a minute this must be a mistake because it says here it's ash gould from the james Whale show so this this can't be right you sure this is right come and join me ash yeah man yeah you're right yeah just flanging in my ears it flanges a bit doesn't it yeah that's no, all right now a bit psychedelic yeah man. I, I was okay how did you get into radio there we go that's the, well, that's it was the all a big course. accident really it was a terrible accident because i came to london i did music production yeah so i thought i, I was in manchester you know in the rave scene in the early 90s yeah i did uh, school of sound recording did some uh, you know learned about it it was very interesting and, and my mates were doing lots of the rave hits at the time so i was in the studio and I, so i came to london to do that and then my bro johnny you yeah. know he worked johnny on Gold. rn yeah. and so you know it's who you know isn't it not what you know yeah but i did know a bit so i helped <laughs> him out the weekends uh, sport so what he was at irn irn in a basement of right. Grayson road yeah 
So I was doing that on a Saturday, and um, I did get a job at, you know, Seal. The singer? Yeah, yeah his yeah. studio, but they cancelled on the day, so anyway, I thought, anyway, the what radio... What was the job you were going to do with uh, Seals? Well, it was going to be like, um, sort of like apprentice thing. Okay, yeah. So it was like an engineer, and yeah. you would basically... But, um, anyway, so I did radio, and I thought it was quite well paid in those days. Yeah, yeah, I thought, this is quite good. You know, I think it was a tenner an hour, which then was all right. Well, so when was this, 91, 92? 94. 94, okay. And then, anyway, so then I got a job at LBC. Yeah. Uh, Edwina, I remember her name, and uh, first show I did was, I think... It was either Steve Jones. Steve Jones, the Pyramid Game. Yeah, Pyramid Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I did Frank Boff a lot and Simon Bates. Frank Boff, yeah, a legend, Frank Boff. Frank Boff is a yeah. legend. And Frank Boff, of course, he had a little bit of an embarrassing, you know, there well, was stories came out. I don't think it was embarrassing for Frank Boff. It might have been for him, actually, in well, his it was, profession. It was, it was, it was the, like the drugs and, and cool girls were the things. Yeah. But, but yeah. It, and he, his career ended because of that. And I always, But not really, because LBC did after that. Did he do LBC? I yeah, suppose yeah. he did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. He did, yeah, yeah. They liked it. Because that got... <laughs> they liked that sort of thing, yeah. They must, they must have. Oh, I like Frank Boff. He's I... lovely, and he used to buy me a croissant. Yeah. Hey, would you like a croissant? Actually, would you like a croissant? <laughs> I always thought he was brilliant. <laughs> I thought it was a shame that he never kind of... He never came back from, from that, that, yeah. that well, no, he did the ho- story. Yeah, he but really he was on LBC, back. was he? And okay. then he did the holiday programme. He's still around, you know. He's 90-odd. Is he? But, Maybe we should uh, get Frank Buff on the show. It was uh, interesting. Uh, in, I mean, you could smoke in those days. And in everyone studio, did. Yeah. And it was a tiny studio, and Frank Buff would smoke like a chimney. Yeah. I would go through 20 in a three-hour show. Yeah. You should chain smoke. I mean, do you remind me? I've, before I got on telly and stuff, I remember coming on... Steve Wright did a show on talk radio. That's right, yeah, Steve Wright, yeah. And this would have been about 95, 96. And I remember yeah. going on there. I had an agent that somehow got me on there as a comedian. I don't know. Yeah. And we were smoking. He had a cigar, and I, I had roll-ups going on and stuff. Yeah, it was weird. brilliant, wasn't it? Well, yeah. although, actually, I'm glad they banned it, because, like I say, you chain smoke when you're on air for yeah. some reason. It's, and everyone else does, so you're in a confined space. Just It's uh, it's cancer central, cancer and it stinks. Getting, I mean, it stinks. stinks. But so you, it's Steve Jones and Frank Boff, what were Grandma you doing? Brian for, Hayes. Were, were I was basically tech-hopping. Right. And then, uh, yeah, a Mark Smith, do you remember him? No, who was Mark Smith? Just, you know, he never really took off. I remember Brian Hayes, because I remember Brian Hayes, I went to LBC. Hitting, Douglas Cameron. I replaced Brian Hayes. Peter Dealey. Peter really? Dealey! Brian Hayes, yeah. I, I mean, I knew Peter quite well, because he came to talk radio. Peter Dealey. So I'm Peter Dealey. I'm Peter Dealey. Um, I've emailed him, and he's got back, because he's out of the game. He's in a B&B business. He runs a B&B, and I've got to say, I was reading the reviews on TripAdvisor... <laughs> Yeah. And they, I've never seen such glowing reviews. I and bet he runs it immaculately. You can imagine yeah. him doing it, yeah. and that he leaves like hampers for the guests yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And I, but I've been in touch, with Peter, because I always thought he was brilliant, yeah, and he, he was, was so he was. relaxed, he was brilliant, and he just left the game. He did. He just turned his back totally, on it. I think he became a counsellor for a bit, and then he. Was, and he's uh, thinking. And I've said, would you mind being interviewed? And he's. Um, well, you'll be li- you'll either know if he said yes or no because his voice may or may not come up next. He's kind of said, "I'd rather not," but because yeah. it's you, Ian, right. I will. Oh, I see. And so I've written back to him saying, "Just think on it for a few days. I don't want to force you to do anything." But he was because he he was just so laid back and so in control of everything. Yeah. Was he yeah. like that when you yeah, were working yeah, with was, him? Yeah, he was. He uh, was. He was a very controlled professional. Yeah, I remember him I calling mean, Osama bin Laden. A murdering twat once Did on he? LBC. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I thought that. that was very funny. But uh, yeah, he was very professional. But also, you know, off air, he was a bit like Freddie Mercury. You know, a bit crazy. You know what I mean? He'd go crazy and stuff. I mean, yeah. 
I think he's out. I think it's safe to say. Yes, he's yes, out. yes. But I remember once when he wasn't out, he used to be on the radio, and he was like sort. Of, and Anna Rayburn was doing the handover, and she went, "Oh, of course you're gay." And uh, blah, oh blah. god. Anyway, and, anyway, he came out after me. Anna Rayburn's just outed me on air. Oh dear. And, uh, but I think everyone sort of could guess. <laughs> there are some people some that people, do yeah. behind it, and you can yeah. guess. But well, he could he, no. He, he, that that was mean of Anna, and I I, I never got on. I don't think she realised it, but Anna. then yeah, I know what you mean. She was. I found her hard work. Yeah. I that was my first job, Anna Rayburn, when I got really? sort of radio, and it lasted a week. Really, she didn't we didn't. Take a we shine didn't to you. Um, we were against the grain, sort of thing. My first encounter with Anna Rayburn was again at LBC, and I remember I was walking in. I was on the phone. I'd never met her, but I knew she was starting there. And he had to walk past a cafe to get in. This is when it was in the uh, Latimer Road or somewhere. And um, I felt this hand grab my coat and pull me back and say, I want a word with you. And it was Anna Rayburn. And I just thought, what a... What an unusual... What did she say? What the word did she want? She said, well, say, I'm going to be working with you, and I thought I would introduce myself. But I thought, yeah, but grabbing someone while they're on the phone from behind and bullying yeah, them, yeah. I thought that was yeah. an odd... We but didn't get on particularly well, myself. You didn't do a show with her, though. No, but I did a handover mm. until she yeah. banned me from doing the handover. Yeah. She took great offence because we used to call her Nana Rayburn. Yeah, yeah, oh, right, well, yeah. She didn't she, like that. She, she, she thought my like show that. was for kids. No. She didn't like that. No, uh, yeah, cause she, uh, you know, in her day, apparently, she was a real beauty. Oh, she's, I mean, she still is. Oh, yeah, still is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she's studying, and, and she's a great broadcaster, you know. She yeah. was, she was, she was way ahead of the game on, on she what was, she did. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes personalities clash, and, and mine and hers clash. Lots with yeah. her do. Well, sometimes. In fact, most people do, don't they? Um, but so, you, how did, how long were you at LBC? You can drink your, your coffee, oh, yeah, you stir them oh, with a knife. Tea. tea with a knife. Well, it's it's a legal way to carry a knife <laughs> in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah. What was it? What was How it? long were you at LBC? Oh, very not long. I mean, I was there '94 for about ten months, and then there was sort of overlap. And I'd do a show here. It was Moz D and Sean Bolger, and then I drove in the car really quick to Hammersmith yeah. and did a half-hour show or an hour show. Robin Amlo the business world tonight and another show with jeremy somebody who then became he was boss of talk radio before but got something happened but anyway so i was driving in between and then they said you want to do the whale show yeah and i go yeah all right and i was also doing mike allen's show oh mike allen passed away recently recently, didn't he yeah Yeah. lovely bloke one of the nicest was he bonkers because he sounded bonkers on air no he'd go off on very surreal yeah he was a surreal imaginative creative uh yeah sort of like peter cook almost yeah a sort of a more um I don't know, middle class, because Pete Cook's quite posh, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but very slick. I used slick, to like Mike Allen a lot. A former male model and all this. Was he? Yeah, yeah. Was he really? Yeah, That's and he was, he was a lovely bloke. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I was on air with him, first of all, and he said to James, you know, you, why don't you try and use Ash on air? And that, so then I was on air with James. And were you tech hopping with James or producing? Yeah, well, it was studio production, it was called then. Well, so, and that, really, it was tech hopping. And, me, and that means me. operating the phones and the faders and going no, just to the, the ads, Just the faders. Just the faders, really, yeah. Okay, and the microphones and stuff like that. And when did you. Had you been on air on LBC? Very. I think I was a couple of times very minorly, you know, yeah. when someone asked to come on. Yeah. yeah. Really. When did when did James... Mike Dickin was there as well, I remember. Mike Dickin. He wasn't permanent at the time, but they'd asked him to do cover shifts. So that's when I first met Mike Dickin there. What was he like? He's I mean, a lovely I never guy. never met him. I found oh, him up a couple nice, of times. I like, real, called him a couple of times. Really but... friendly, like, warm yeah. guy. And on air, you know, brilliant as yeah. well. Yeah. A really, you know, a good broadcaster, wasn't he? And the, well, I mean, a great catchphrase, my health is not in question. That's, yeah. that just, yeah. how are you doing, Mike? Yeah. My health is not in question. I'm exactly. just a beautiful You're not my, That's just for me and my doctor, didn't he? <laughs> <that one. laughs>
<laughs> it's a fantastic line. His elf did look in question a lot. Though. I know, I know, and his, his, his uh, yeah, and his, his... But strong as an ox, actually. His elf yeah, got the, the better of him in the end, didn't it? Um, yeah. So how did, when did James start introducing you on air, then? Did, did... About, knife. But five, wasn't it? Yeah, so did, and did it was it a spontaneous thing? Because I know I, I love James. I think James is brilliant. I'm going to talk to him as well at yeah. some point. Well, first of him. all, I was on his talk back, and I was giving him, and he was just using him on air. And then um, Mike Allen like said, you know, use it, and so that was it. right. Yeah. yeah. And how did you feel about that? Did you feel? I thought it was good. I mean, I was only 24, wasn't I, at the time? So yeah. I thought this is good, and um, yeah, it's good fun. James is brilliant, and uh, and we uh, we uh, you know we have this on-air rivalry that is kind of traditional in radio. But James yeah. is, um, I think James is unique in the way that he can. Um, well, he, again, he's another one like like Dealey that's in control of everything, yeah. and he's very he's a very clever man. I think James cleverer than people give him credit for. He's yeah. brilliant at winding people up as well. Yeah, no, he is cleverer than he, people give him credit credit for. You know, and uh, don't tell him yeah. I said this. Just, no, yeah. no, he's very good at sort of thinking, you know, quick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got a brain like that. I mean, because he's dyslexic, so sometimes that comes with other uh, yeah. gifts, doesn't it? And I think he's he's very eloquent, although he can't... He might not be able to write very well or spell and stuff, but he can talk well, yeah. can't he? I mean, so it's funny how things work like He that. dresses terribly, I mean... He dresses awfully, but, like, th- you know, that's the, probably the dyslexia. That's the dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Um, did you ever work with Caesar the Geezer? No. No, but the bogey, the bogey guy. Who's the bogey the guy? The bogey man. He was, he was Caesar the Geezer and the bogey man, who was this, uh, the com- head of computers back in those days. I don't remember the bogey man. I remember <laughs> Caesar, but I don't remember the bogey Tony. man. Tony, yeah, he used to work here. And, uh, yeah, he was this big, sort of, big guy. I don't know what's happened to him. He sort of, I don't know what happened to him. Sort of a bit of a shrouded... Yeah, a little bit. Just sort of went, like Caesar, sort of, there was a mystery. Yeah. Then, but there's always a mystery when someone goes. Very rarely, yeah, yeah. you know, you'll rock up one day and go, oh, are, are you filling in for such and such? No, I'm doing the shift now. You know, and it's... But it exactly, that presenters, happens, they go. It? That does happen. They disappear. They disappear. Um, yeah. What are your memories of Boyd? Because I love Boyd. Yeah, he was a lovely guy, you know. He was a good guy. We had good fun. Sunday night, also the daytimes. Originally, it was daytime show. He was like, sort of... Was he, he was sort of... Sandwich w- between Anna Raben and Dealey. And Dealey, because I'm... Or I'm Lorraine just, Kelly and Anna... I can't remember. I've it was two till four, I've to a few of the old shows, and you keep popping up from time to time and he's doing stuff like put a tax on sex and yeah um uh philosophy is like strange philosophy we'd have a sort of meeting we it was in oxford street we'd go in the boardroom and we'd just sort of have coffee and pretty and stuff and then uh he'd say this is what we and we just sort of probably talk about for 30 seconds and just go on air yeah it wasn't really much but it was, it was it, it, I, I, cause I, a lot of those things I'm listening to a lot of his shows now and I remember Caesar's wind ups I don't think a lot of that stuff would work yeah. now the, because people are I think uh, I'd love like to hear it I, I don't know yeah a bit too media savvy although saying that I still oh, I wind mean, people yeah. up and J- yeah. James still winds people up and yeah I think people like it if it's good it's good yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what, what when it is but yeah, people are more media savvy. That's why I think mistakes are good. You know, some people try and cover up any, but people know what's going on and stuff yeah. now. So it's quite good to leave them in. And that's something I learned from Boyd. I remember listening to him once in the studio broke down and, and he said, well, the producer is telling me that I should um, go to a song and say everything is fine and I'm going to go to another <laughs> studio, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to walk from this studio into the next studio. And I just thought, yeah, that is yeah, yeah. It's like pulling yeah. back the curtain. And, yeah, and exactly. Because people know it. and it's patronising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Know, and people like that, real. Yeah. The, the realism of it. Uh, the humans... Well, did you, you worked on the Human Zoo as well, didn't you? 
Yeah. That was... Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a yeah. delight. I mean, I, I nicked that idea show. and, and, and ran with it. was a great show it. because you come in on a Sunday night, me and Tommy would go on the veranda, the fire escape. Yeah. Was that here or in Oxford Street? Here. Here. Have a cigarette. And I think it was all here, yeah. And then, um, yeah, just uh, literally just go in and open the faders and yeah. put the calls on. And, uh, yeah, it was good. A lot of the callers w- were not good and a lot were good. <sighs> Uh, did you ever get offered your own show? I heard that you got yeah. offered your own show and you turned That's it down because you didn't fancy it. No, I didn't. No, I mean, I did get offered. I didn't turn it down. The guy got fired. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was making terrible Yeah, because he was making terrible decisions like oh, that. Oh, really? And and I... So you would have been up for it? Yeah, I was up for it because he said to me, I signed a new contract and he goes, right, well, you know, within the next six months, we'll get, you know, we'll do the, you can do the human zoom and Tommy's off and whatever. Wow. Because Tommy had said that. He yeah. said, Ash, you should do it when I'm and, uh, yeah, so that was it. But then he, yeah. Kelvin, fired him. Right. And Or something happened. Maybe he got another job. I think it wasn't that. I think he was fired. You know, Kelvin used to fire a lot of people, didn't he? Oh, so I hear He yeah. probably was down to that contract that he'd done with me. Right. He probably read it and he went, right, it can't have it. It's a liability. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've got to thank him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and you- then the next boss, he was a bit, he wasn't so good. Well, we get on now. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Are you, and you've one. been here... Ever since the nineties, twenty five, yeah, flipping it, like a prison sentence. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, uh, obviously you enjoy it, and you kind yeah. of you're back yeah. on air again. Obviously yeah. with the show you did with Johnny, yeah. and now, yeah. now James, James is 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 there. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of gone full circle, isn't it? It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, Cause it was talk radio, and then it was I did the talk sport, obviously with James, and then who was it? it was uh, um, you have to edit this bit. <laughs> It's tw- I'm, so, I'm asking you to tap your it? memory back. Uh, yeah, but it was, because it was Andy Goldsey, sports bar, Jason Cundy. That oh, was did a lot you work before, on that? Yeah, before the talk radio oh, I'm started. I'm so sorry for you. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Those idiots. But, you know, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, talk sport? Yeah. yeah. Funny. yeah. There, there is a rivalry between yeah. talk sport. Oh, yeah. cause, uh, cause, and I've been, I've been in both camps. Yeah. There's a few people that have been in both camps. Yeah. There you go. But, um, oh. and, and I can understand it, because when you're doing radio, particularly in commercial radio, and I was at the BBC for years where they didn't, wouldn't show us how rage was, it was insane. But when you're in commercial radio, you kind of every, every listener well, counts. They used know. to hide them here, though, but they sort of show them, really? all, don't they now? Because LBC would you could always find them out, though. Oh yeah, yeah. But LBC, they would like you get called in. Yeah, and, and this is go, what you've got. Yeah, I heard about that a few years ago. They started doing that. Yeah, but um, Andy and um, it's my phone, but Andy and Jason. Uh, yeah, they're very protective, and they won't mention talk radio on their show. I phoned up and pranked them once, and know, once they yeah. realised it was me, they, they got a bit... Hurt. Yeah, a little bit. And, yeah. and we asked for a favour. They're favor. scared, man. They're scared. Well, yeah, I, they're, as everyone is, them. I think, in commercial radio, to a certain extent. Yeah. But um, I remember once we asked for a favour and asked if we could have a contact for a guest they had, and they went, no, we're not, we're not going to give you our guests. Cause <laughs> and I thought, well, OK, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, uh, yeah, their honesty's good. Yeah, it's their good. honesty good is good. A bit of honesty. Yeah. Um, but you're enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're it's enjoying James? You're enjoying kind of, it, now you're, yeah. You are kind of a co-host. You're sat in the studio yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, And he, yeah. he shouts I'm, at you I'm, on, I'm in the better you. position. I'm in the couch. Yes. You, you, He's in a hard chair. Uh, and I and was, he has to operate equipment. <laughs> I don't. He has to move to the mic. Mine's connected to my ear. <laughs> I can lie down. And, and I miss getting to show. see your ass crack because when I came in before, well, not, I've not been showing it. You've not seen your ass crack. If you could fix well, that, we'll for fix sort that out. All right, and uh, you'll get your crack. Nice one, Ash. Thank you, man. Thanks, Bubba. There we go. Lovely. Right, when are we doing this recording then? That was a great rehearsal. Let's do it. Now let's do it. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio.
We'll get you talking. Hip, 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 and happy bank holiday. You're listening to Late Nights with Ian Lee, but obviously I am not he, I'm Catherine. Um, Ian's not been well. He's at home resting up with a really nasty dose of tonsillitis and hopefully be back later on this week. But fear not, that doesn't mean you won't be hearing his dulcet tones tonight because over the last few weeks, and we've dropped a few hints, so you might have picked up on this, we've been making you something really special that we're really pleased with. So if you're a regular listener to the show, you will know that this slot, this time of the night, was the only one we had our eyes on here at Talk Radio. After years of doing breakfast somewhere else, we really wanted to make this part of the night our own. And if it's not already making sense to you through the people we've spoken to, the fact that night times are special is really going to get rammed home in the next few bits, OK? We're going to introduce you to some of the people who made us so passionate about late night radio. So remember, no calls tonight. Have a night off if you're a regular caller and resist if you're feeling the urge to give us a ring. Give us a ring tomorrow. This is all about late night radio and the love affair we have with it. It's people that shaped it in this country and shaped what Ian does in particular. We've had Caesar the Geezer, we've had Mike Mendoza, we've had James H. Reeve, we've had Ash Gould, and the longer versions of these conversations will be going out as bonus podcasts in the week, okay? But time for our next guest. You may have heard of him. We hear of him every day, whether we like it or not. And to be honest, we like it, but don't tell him. It's James Whale. Come join me. It's cold It's freezing in here, but I like it cold. She just said she thinks I'm going deaf. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much indeed. That was very funny. Thank you, James. Uh, now, listen, the reason I've got you here is I'm... Have we started? We started. This oh, is right, it. okay, fine. There's no time wasted. I want the real James well, Whale. I going to have a pee, but okay, go I don't want... Mm. I don't want that James Whale. Which one? That one. Good, okay. We have each, any one you want. You just choose. I'll I want... give you a piece of paper with one, two, and three. Yes. You just choose which you want, and I will give you that one. I'll have number two. Okay, you've got number two. Here we go. Fantastic. How did you get into radio? Um, oh, gosh. Well, yeah, I know you know the answer to all of these. Well, I know so, most of so, the answers, because yeah, I've read okay, your book. Fine, I've right. read your book. How did I get into radio? Uh, I got into radio very briefly because I couldn't sing um, and uh, I couldn't play a musical instrument because I'm lazy. And I wanted to be an actor, but I got my girlfriend pregnant at a very early age and had yeah. to earn some money. So I got a job in a disco as a DJ because that was kind of quite easy. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought, ah, oh, well, maybe I could do it on radio because you make more money. And uh, that's basically money was the driving force. I love the way that it's so easy, though, that I just, well, I had to get some money. It's not so easy. I became, no, but you've made it sound. So I became, a, I became a DJ and did discos and things like that. And then, then I wanted to get into radio and I did. How did well, you get into, did you, were you knocking on doors or? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> oh gosh, it's so long. I mean, you know, you have to understand I'm completely uneducated. So I left school with no qualifications, yeah. absolutely no kind of idea of what I wanted to do. I just knew I had this driving ambition not to die. And at the time we all thought we were going to go to Vietnam yeah. and be blown up. I had this driving ambition and I had not had sex either. Uh, I had this, no, that's true. And I, <laughs> you're worried you're going to go, you're going to be sent to Vietnam exactly. well, without having sex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
but that that's the answer to number two. Remember, one and three could have given you a different yes. answer. Yes, okay, no, I'm, I like okay. number two. Um, and so I wanted to do something, but I wasn't really sure what I could do. And uh, I used to listen to the radio stations, Caroline and London So who were you listening to as a kid then? Uh, well, my, my heroes, I suppose, Johnny Walker, oh, wow. Tony Windsor. Um, uh, there was uh, Keith Skews, Tony Blackburn. You know, all those sort of yeah. uh, Emperor Roscoe, wow, yeah, yeah. Stuart Henry. You know, now now radio's gone full circle, really. It, anybody can get onto radio now. But in those days, it was quite difficult. And so there weren't very many radio stations. And so, uh, remember, I, I'm still sort of 1920 at this time. And so I've been doing discos and stuff. And then I, uh, to cut a long story short, I, I thought it'd be a really good idea to start my own radio station. And uh, that's was, quite ambitious. Oh, I wasn't really. No, well, I was, no that's I, quite. That's quite. I'm going to start my own radio station. That's yeah, a big but no, thing no, for it wasn't. No, no, no. I, I was a father. Do you mind? Well, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'd, I had. Uh, I had to work out how to make some money uh, to feed my children, yeah. um, and my parents weren't prepared to give me handouts all the time. Uh, although they, you know, they did look after us because we were both kids, and uh, it was it was difficult. But I was in Topshop. I just got a job. Um, in repertory because i thought i might be a great actor wow so i got a job in repertory but didn't pay very much no. and i was off to do that and i was in top shot with mrs w and it was a bit like a disco and i thought well there's a dj in here so i didn't really think about starting my own radio station but right. i thought i've got some work at night that's good i need yeah. some work during the day so i could come in and do that so i uh, i went to look for the manager and said, you need a disc jockey here. That's what you need. And they said, uh, I said, tell you what, I'll leave my phone number mm. and see what happens. And I went off into rep in Oxford in a play, uh, playing The Ghost, which just meant I walked on at the back and off quite regularly. And then by the time I got, I got back uh, home into London, uh, I'd had a, a message from this store from a man called Ralph Halpen, right. who became very famous. Uh, Google him. I can't be bothered. I remember to tell the you. name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he was the manager of the store, and he uh, he said, "Come along." And uh, he said, "Yeah, we think we should have a, a DJ playing some uh, records, cheering up the uh, customers." So if you come in at lunchtime, twelve till two. Wow. No, twelve till three. I think. Yeah. Um, and and then come back for the final hour, five till six, and they Fantastic. paid me twenty five quid for that for the week. Brilliant. Uh, and then in the evening, I went up to I had a, a job at Tottenham Court Road. So I walked from Oxford Circus with a big bag of records yeah. up to Tottenham Court Road to play records in what was called the Sundown. Where was the Sundown on Tottenham Court Road? Next to the tube station, opposite Centre Point, and now it's disappeared. Okay, of course. It Next will. to GAY. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that was a big eight hundred seater disco, and I did that three nights a week. And I think I got the same per night for doing that that I got for the whole week. Uh, top yeah, but there we are, 1970, and I'm earning 300 pounds a week. That's incredible. Yeah. What was the What was the song? What was the erection section? And what was the song that would get everyone up dancing? Um, if you If it was struggling a bit, what would you put on? Well, I, well, oh, oh, in the disco. Yeah. I didn't have. Well, it was. They came to they dance. Just, they just came and they, they just were came there. to dance. They were yeah. Okay. So Brown I'm, Sugar, the Rolling Stones, you know, and all that sort of. That was all the, I don't like 70s. the Rolling Stones. I don't like the Beatles, but there we won't um, argue about we, it. Can we listen to um, that? Yeah. But, okay, how did you make the transition then from, from that, being a club DJ and a store DJ, well, I realized, to getting onto radio? I realised that, that being a DJ in the clubs didn't really have longevity. Yeah. And uh, there were lots of bombs going off in London at the time. 
And I kind of thought, Mrs. W and I thought it would be quite good to get the kids away from London yeah. and go and live somewhere. And we couldn't afford anywhere to live either. So we were living uh, on the 18th floor of a council block of flats off the commercial road in London. Right, OK. OK. Um, it's in my book. And I had then decided, being in Topshop, that it was quite a good idea to make it in not just a disco, mobile disco. Let's make it into a proper radio station. Yeah. So I got them, you know, the the, the uh, display people to uh, to make a little s- studio. Yeah. Move all the equipment in there so it looked like a studio with a window so the shoppers could see. Um, and then I used to go around and flog advertising to all the little wow. independent shops in there. Wow. So I, I used to read the commercials out. And don't forget, over at, uh, what was it, uh, Miss Mouse, fantastic new fashions from <laughs> Miss Mouse. And uh, and uh, you go, uh, and then people like Annie Nightingale and others on their way up to Radio 1 would pop in wow. and do interviews. And then all the record pluggers that went to Radio 1 will come in and see come you. in and give me records to That's play. That's incredible. So, there we are. That's incredible. What I should have done is, uh, if I'd been a businessman, I would have... Uh, there's somebody... I think it was Bruno Brooks, God rest him, um, who who takes credit for starting Radio Top Shop. Right. Uh, and did at one time, I think... I can't remember if it was Bruno. I might be doing a di- disservice. Somebody did, Somebody wanted to try and take legal action against me for saying it was mine. And uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm not having any of that. Um, and I dare say other people came along and kept it going. I think yeah. it still goes now. So I think it does. 50 I think it or does. 45 years ago. That's incredible. 50 years ago. That's a legacy to have. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it, it is. It's a legacy. <laughs> um, what was your first, I'm going to say, proper radio um, gig? Oh, oh, uh, proper radio. Um, Where people could hear you in their homes and cars. Well, I suppose Metro Radio in Newcastle was my first one. And uh, I, was, I, I was quite pally at the time with a guy who did Manx Radio. Mm. And I was in his office one day. And he was bragging about how he just had an audition for this. And I didn't know anything about this. And so I came back. I, I, I listened to all what he was saying. Yeah. Got a phone number, rang the bloke and said, oh, I, I'd like to audition. And I, I went up to Newcastle to do an audition. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get the job. Uh, in fact, funny, it was a funny audition. They did it in a nightclub. It was wow. in behind the disco gear. And in the middle of it, it all broke. And so uh, I did what you would do. I, I, stopped, I said, look, I'm sorry, guys, this equipment's gone wrong. And the bloke came very po-faced to me, an idiot as well, and said, um, oh, that was part of the audition. We wanted to see what you'd do if everything went wrong. Oh, bloody hell. I said, well, you don't expect it. In a, a hum-, Anyway, went off. Um, and I'd done a number of auditions and hadn't heard anything. And then I had the idea. Mm. I thought, I'll ring all the radio stations. There were four. Mm. There was Hallam. There was um, Metro, and there were a couple of others, and I can't remember who they were now. And I thought, I'll be their London correspondent. Beautiful. Um, I thought that would be quite a clever idea, wouldn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> so I rang Metro. They were the first one. Rang up. I just got through to the, the, the programme director at the time, Peter Lewis, uh, and I said, look, do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're the one who... Were, yeah, yeah. We just listen. We like your voice. Um, a bloke we, uh, we'd asked to uh, join us can't... Um, by the way, I think it was Howard Hughes. Um, so, uh, so would you like to come up and, uh, and and we'll give you a three month contract? Wow! And you were in, and I was in, um, and I gave up three hundred pounds a week to move to the northeast of England on a contract for three months for fifty quid a week. How long did you end up staying there? Ten years. Yeah, that was probably much as I enjoyed it, and but I had kids at school and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> I should probably, on reflection, have left after two or three years. Why? 
Well, because it was successful and it was working well, and I should have if I'd been. But it that. couldn't have got any bigger. No, no. It was. It was yeah. always going to stay that thing. Mm. And what were you doing? Well, if if, we, if I was to listen to a tape of that now, would I recognise it as this kind of the, yeah. this, this yeah. brassy, bolshy James Whale yeah. still? Well. I wouldn't be quite like that because uh, um, I was starting out and I was playing records um, and I was bored and uh, I'd been listening to some talk radio station. Nobody knew about that. And everybody was very nice. You know, people yeah. rang up. You'd just have to say, oh, hello. Thank you very much indeed. It's nice to have you on. Yeah. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Walker. Ah, oh, lovely. And uh, what would you like to talk about? And it was all that b- so really dull and boring. Yeah. And you listen to American radio and it's it's exciting. And whether you agree, in fact, it's better if you don't agree with the person on the air. Yeah. Um, and then one night I said to the boss, I think I might do a phone in. And he sort of said to me, he said, well, James, do what you like, mate. He said, I'm sorry to say, after six in the evening, we're not really interested. Six to six, <laughs> that's the time for radio. Six in the morning or six at night, that's when it's yeah. all happening. And uh, you do what you like. Wow. And so I did. And so, uh, and it was just me on. Yeah. I turned the radio station off. So... I would play a record. You mean you literally, you turn yeah, the switch yeah. that turned the yeah. radio off? I would play a record. Yeah. Introduce a record. Here we go. The, uh, I don't know what it will be in the, I can't remember records from that time. Anyway, I would have introduced David a record. Cassidy. No. No. Anyway, uh, I never stuck to the playlist either. Mm. Um, so I, and then I go in the other room and the phones would be alight because nobody done this before. Yeah. And I put people on and uh, one bloke rang in and uh, uh, I was, you know, feeling my way. <clears throat> He said, James, I've just rung up. I want to tell you what's wrong with this bloody world. Do you mind? I said, well, no, no. Too many blacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I said, I beg your pardon. Wow. I know it's controversial, like, James, <laughs> but there's too many in this. And I said, you are the most vile, horrible Gosh. person I have ever heard. You stink. You are an embarrassment to the human race, and if you ever phone me again, I'll send round the police. Now go away and fester. And this was on air? And cut him off, yeah. Oh, fantastic. And so that made the front page of the paper the following day. Oh, wow. And the radio station got very sort of concerned about it. But then then they realised that actually there were people around listening. Yeah. And then after the first or the second audience survey mm. i had a higher audience than the breakfast show brilliant um which you know was quite and i was quite chuffed and i i got into my stride then and uh, you know it yeah. was a little more risky than it is now because you could get away with more then than you can now um and it was, and more of, and it was a novelty then and it was well. a novelty you say you, you, yeah. you were the only one doing yeah. it in this country yeah and then uh, somebody called james stanage started doing it on piccadilly radio i right. think and he copied me and there was a big story in the mirror or the people of one of the papers under who's the rudest man on radio and uh, and i got stuck with it and i never considered i was rude really no. i'm just sort of forthright and i'm not rude i'm no. every now and then but now it's different and you don't you know radio's changed enormously those were the days when you could do that uh, it's changed in America as well. It's complete, yeah. Talk radio is completely different. It's more like what we do now. But unfortunately, in this country, in my view, we still haven't really taken the bull by the horns. And we're still a bit timid mm. as far as talk radio is concerned. For me, because I'm a, I'm, I'm a big radio geek and I've been a fan of yours for years and years and years. And I know you hate me saying that, but genuinely, I love but you. But you understand, I am not a radio geek. No, so I know I, you're not. It's my job. Yeah. I like doing yeah. it. I get a kick out yeah. of it. And I enjoy doing it. And I like listening to radio. Yeah. 
but I'm not. I don't go to the radio do's. I don't oh, go I to don't the go radio to the shows. I don't go to the, the the all that stuff. For me, I'm like Mike TV and Charlie in the yeah. Chocolate Factory when he gets sucked into the TV. I've just mm. landed inside my dream job. So I've listened to you for years. I remember telling you once that I, I thought you were brilliant, and you walked out in embarrassment. I was. I don't like. I no, don't I, like it. I don't like being called legend. They people call you legend when you get old. Oh, that means, means you're old. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I don't want to die yet. But but I do think you're brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm, I'm, let's make you no bones about it. I am very I good. Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. Late night Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Your show here the first time around was mm. compulsive listening. You mm. know, it was, it was, it was, uh, me and my friends would all listen to it. And the whole locking up the prisoners, the, uh, the butler we were talking about yep, yesterday yep, that you yep. had, the, ca- yep. the characters that you had involved in the show. It yep. was just delightfully, and it would, it would swing from being, you know, chaos to you yep. actually making yep. some very serious, strong yep. points. Yep. Well, uh, that's kind of what I do within reason. Although when I did drive on LBC, it had to be slightly more serious. Yeah. Then I went to do... A, uh, somebody said I'd never get a job on the BBC. Yeah. So I went and got myself a job doing a breakfast show on a BBC station, uh, which was... I, quite, I did that for four years. I did that for four years. Yeah. I didn't like getting up. I liked no, the I show. It was fun yeah, doing did, the show. I didn't but like getting up. Did they do the thing with you where um, they hired you because you're James Whale, but then said, can we have a little bit less of this and a bit more of that? Because that's oh, yeah, what I got. Yeah. They did that, and I said, well, then we'll have to part company. And I said, mm. oh, no, 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 we, we want to make it... And, and I said, look... The BBC have, and the BBC still have, and I still do a bit of work for them, but mm. the BBC, still, BBC have uh, a fabulous opportunity mm. to do speech radio on all their local stations. They should cut out the music, yep. get rid of the yep. music, and just do speech radio. They're scared, though, I found. Yeah. Well, they can't. Apparently, you can't have... And I still do a show for them once yeah. a week. And I make a point of saying, the BBC can't have any opinion, Yeah, but James Whale has an opinion. <laughs> And so, you know, this is it. And, yeah. and we'll see how long I last. But I've been doing it four years. I think talk radio can only survive with strong, opinionated people. You mean speech-based radio, not yeah. this station? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, so I agree. That's a, yeah. Um, when, I, when I, yeah, I, speech radio as a genre, talk radio in particular, all radio stations, we yeah. all have to have, as we have here, have to have a point of view. They don't like that much on lbc no uh they don't they like it to be more homogenized yep. like all their radio stations uh and that's up to the bosses because they pay they can do what they want yeah but uh the bbc should should actually take the opportunity because they're never going to beat commercial no. radio on music they can't no they're trying to be everything to everyone well, i, I got to, i got told um because I got hauled over the coals a few times for it, having an opinion, and I came to a compromise. They said, you can have an opinion as long as it's not about politics. So anything else, you can have an opinion, but you can't, you have to be neutral on politics. And I sort of managed to make that work, um, until, of course, I got the sack for having to go a bigger. But, um, but BBC... BBC I never already, understood that. No, I never understood it. I well... I mean, okay... Uh, uh, to, to criticise, maybe you're a little yes. bit tough on her. Yes. There's a woman who sounded very young and very... Yes. There's the sound of her voice. Uh, I got a bit angry, yeah. You did get a bit angry, and, yeah. and, and so do we all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they, these are things that bosses should protect you from, yeah. and people should re- read about them in the papers rather than try to hide them. Yes. These are the good things. I thought I'd be sacked from my radio show on the BBC when I went into the Big Brother house. 
So I went oh, into right. that. Yeah. Just, well, I went into that for money. Yeah, of course. For, Why would I, and, what other reason <clears throat> is there for that? Well, there's money, and also it opens up an audience that may never have heard of you, yeah. because, you know, um, that's how fickle this business is. Uh, but they didn't, so I, had to, I went back for a bit, and then I decided to leave. Back here. Yeah, I, I, you know, I... You enjoying it here? Absolutely love it here. Um, I... I think there's a I, I think there's a big future yeah. for talk radio as a station, speech radio yeah. generally. Yeah, no, I do, and I think I think I'm um, I'm doing four nights. I'm doing five nights, aren't I, at the moment? Uh, four evenings is your warm up. Yes, and I thought I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, I wasn't sure whether that was my time slot, but I'm actually quite enjoying it. Are you sure? Because ten to one is seen as your natural home. Yeah, but you know, you're doing a good job there, and I don't want to nick your job. You well, need the you. money more than me. I do. Um, and uh, I mean, who knows? My, uh, my, maybe I'll do weekends. Yeah. I don't know. But I'd like to. I'd like to give it a year or so doing the slot I'm doing, because it's yeah. always been considered a very difficult slot well, in radio because it's a the TV, bed, soap yeah. operas, yeah. dinner, all yeah. of that kind so, of stuff. So you know, let's have a let's have a little look and see. Who knows where the future lies for any of us? Um, I would like to be involved in 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 finding new radio talent. Yeah, because I'm getting on. There aren't any young people in speech-based radio I, 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 that seem to be coming well, you up need the to have ranks. First of all, you need to have, to do what we do, you have to have a little bit of age and yeah. a little bit of life experience. Yes. Um, and uh, lots of people don't like it. Mm. And I think once there is more readily available speech radio... People will... And people who listen to it get hooked on it. Yeah, but also I think... Um, we have we have the two mics. We simulcast with the, with with Talksport two mics. I like the two mics. I I think they're actually so hilarious. I. I think it's brilliant. So do I. But I do kind of think double acts work well on speech yeah, radio. I do kind of think that, that for talk radio, we should be getting new people in through the night as a kind of a training ground or on LBC as well. No, I don't think night. we should. Do you not? Why no, not? Well, I think I think it's a training ground. I, well, I think you could put people off listening to your radio station by doing that. Yeah. And I think uh, I, uh, they tried that on LBC and here, and they put some people on that really were. Really? And people used to listen to that and say, that, that station, I've listened to overnight, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I'm in a yeah. car. And I think people used to say there's not much audience at night. And I, they used to say there's no audience after the TV people go to bed at 10. Yeah. Well, that blatantly is wrong. Um, and even through the night, there is a big audience. Oh, definitely. You know, you advertise millions of pounds worth to, to, to football stadiums mm. with a, a few thousand people in it, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000. Yeah. Well, you've got at least 100, 200,000 people listening to your overnight program. Mm. So I think you need to reorganize it. And I think also a lot of advertising agencies are not brought in to the radio station enough to get to get to know the people and yes. another thing i feel strongly about is that people who sell advertising on radio yeah. on talk radio uh, or speech radio speech, any yeah. radio um aren't involved in the programs enough yeah i agree I, and they I don't I, when i went to lbc the second time round, and uh, they were asking what i thought we should do i, th I said i think you know you the the sales people should come and sit in on the program yeah. for an hour yeah once a month mm. on every program and they started doing that Oh, did they really? Yeah, they started doing that, and that worked quite well, because how can you sell a car if you don't know what the car does? Well, the number of times uh, I've been in, in commercial radio places, and the sales team has said, right, we want to get some advertising for the show. Describe your show in, in 30 seconds. Well, lis listen to it tonight. Listen mm. to it. Listen yeah. to a podcast. Listen to a tape of it. You know, that's the show. But why, why, why don't they have... I don't, they might do now, but they never used to. Why don't they have a made-up, 
you know, bit of the show. Mm. At the end of my BBC show, I finish off every week mm. with a rec- the, because, you know, the BBC have got money and you've got loads of people working on the show. And so they put together a really tightly edited, in case you missed the show, it's finished, this yeah. is what you missed. Yeah, bang, yeah. bang, 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 bang. And it's, it's funny. I always finish a programme thinking, God, I've just spent three, four hours doing nothing. Because you never feel to me like I'm just yeah. talking away. Yeah. And then listening to it back, it's quite funny. And I think, gosh, should we do that? That was quite, that was quite busy. Yeah. It's quite funny. You know, one day I went out and uh, sat in the bus stop. This is a weekend show during the day. I just went and sat in the bus stop outside the radio station mm. with a microphone and chatted to the people waiting for a bus. Brilliant. It's quite funny. Brilliant. Um, last week I went to uh, what they call a... Uh, um, a beer club. boutique. Oh, a beer boutique. No, a beer boutique. What's that? Well, it's, it's, it's not an off-license. Yeah. It's a beer boutique. Oh, I see. Hundreds right. and hundreds. Uh, the Jesus. little curtain comes back, and yeah. behind it, got a little bar where you can sample some of the goods. Wow. There's a bloke, you know, kind of um, uh, hipster type with a big beard and curly moustache and talking complete <laughs> about all sorts of beers from countries <laughs> he's never been to. It's quite entertaining. Listen, I'm going to let you go, because it's half past six. You're on at seven. Um... I'm well, why emba- are we going so early? Well, no, That's I'm going to embarrass you. Talking Honestly, about myself, it, is, it is such a thrill. Look, at, there he goes. What? It's, no, no, I'm just. It's such to... a thrill for me. All right, I'm going now. I don't want to hear that. No, no, right, I've had enough of that. I'm going after no, you. No, take the compliment, no, Whale. I'm going. Take the compliment. Thank you. I'm going to tell everybody to turn off at ten tonight. <laughs> Thank you, darling. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. So tonight, because it's bank holiday, we decided to have a bit of a geek fest and we hope that you're enjoying it as much as we did making it. We are celebrating the greats of late night radio in the UK. These are the people that Ian and I and probably you were listening to as kids and you made us really want to do this part of the night when we came to talk radio so so far we've heard from caesar the geezer we've had mike mendoza james h reeve james whale and ash and as i keep saying i'll be putting the long version of these conversations out as bonus podcasts because there were loads of brilliant bits that i couldn't fit in but last but not least here is a real beauty i'll let ian introduce him but he's got one of the most unmistakable voices in broadcasting enjoy Tony Blackburn. Hello, Ian. Oh, man, I've missed you so much. How are you doing, fella? You all right? Yes, fine. Very good, thanks. For those who don't know, a lifetime ago in this industry, we kind of worked at the same station and we'd see each other, and it was it's always such a thrill um, <laughs> to talk to you. And I mean that sincerely, because I'm a, you know, I'm a huge radio geek. I'm a fan of radio. And um, you, you, you've just been kind of in the soundtrack forever, haven't you? How did you, how did you first get into radio, Tony? What was the, what was the, the, the first gig? Well, first of all, apologies for being with you all your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. I apologise for that. Um, I, I read an advertisement in the New Musical Express when I was about uh, twenty-one years old, wanting DJs for Radio Caroline, and I literally just applied for the job. Um, sent a tape off, and I went up there on the, I think it was the Monday, Yeah. and um, I passed the audition. What did you have to do in the audition? Well, I, I just made a tape up. Um, I'd sent them a tape already, but I went down to a studio at Caroline House at Six Chesterfield Gardens, Yeah. and um, I just did a tape, and then uh, the guy that was the programme controller at the time, he said, uh, give us a couple of hours, so I wandered around <laughs> uh, Hyde Park, <laughs> Went I love back it. and he said, when can you start? Oh, isn't that fantastic? Yeah, amazing. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> um, and uh, 
you, you, what had you done before that? What was kind of the career going to be? Well, I was, um, I was basically studying, uh, I've got a diploma in business studies, actually, oh, a, a thing really? called a higher national diploma in yeah. business studies. Wow. Um, but I've never used it. I never wanted to use it, but it was just in case I couldn't get into it. But I was also singing uh, with a dance band in Bournemouth, uh, the Bournemouth Pavilion Orchestra. I was there uh, as a guitarist and singer with oh. a, a big orchestra there. Oh, I knew you were a singer. I didn't know you were a guitarist as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a rhythm guitar. And wow. um, I also had this uh, group with uh, Al Stewart called Tony Blackburn and his Swinging Bells. What, the Al Stewart? Yes, the Al Stewart, yes. Wow! Yeah, he, was my, he was my lead guitarist. Flipping uh, he heck. was one of the Bells. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but that had to come to an end. What actually happened there was he, 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 he played so blooming loudly, he drowned, my, he drowned me out for about two years. Uh, but uh, he went on to, uh, he, you know, the bells obviously eventually stopped swinging. Yes, well done. And, uh, and, and he went on to uh, make the Year of the Cat. Yeah, of course. Of huge, huge hits. Huge yes, hits. absolutely. And he's, um, he, he's doing so well. In fact, he's appearing at the London Palladium very shortly. Oh, is he? And uh, he's, he's all over the place. You know, very big name in the folk music well, world. Well, isn't it funny that there's, there's so many... Because, you know, I'm a big fan of the 60s music. And there are mm. so many... 50th anniversaries that have been happening and the 50th anniversary of Sgt Pepper and, and yep. the, the zombies are out playing again because it's the 50th anniversary. All these groups, these acts that, yes. you know, the, 60, the pop in the 60s was seen as throwaway and frivolous, but they're well, still here. You know, um, I think really what they did in the 60s, they had the ability, the songwriters, to write very short, very memorable songs. Yeah. You know, two and a half minutes long. That's it. Very memorable, and that was it. And um, they were great. It was great fun. Um, what? So, what year did you start, Caroline? Then, uh, nineteen sixty-four. Wow, wowzers! I think it was August the twenty-fifth or something like that. Nineteen sixty-four, and uh, been out there. Well, I was, you know, I was out there for two years on Caroline. Then joined the station that I really loved more than any other, yeah. Big L Radio London, because yeah. they have the the American jingles, and they brought in the Top 40 format, uh, the American radio s- sound, and that's really what Radio 1 was based on, certainly on my programme, at any rate. OK, OK. And, well, well it, it's easy to forget now, or well, youngsters won't know it, but in the 60s and the mm. 70s, um, you guys, you DJs, you were like pop stars. You, you were almost as big as the groups, weren't you? I, I like to think bigger. <laughs> bigger than the Beatles, <laughs> Tony Blackburn. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> no, the Beatles were pretty big. Yes. And the Rolling Stones. No, but we were. I mean, we were built up as pop stars. Yeah. Certainly when we joined Radio 1, um, that's when it really all... I mean, the pirate ships changed broadcasting in this country because a lot of people don't realise that, you know, back in 1964, there were no commercial radio stations. No. There was only the BBC, and that was it. It was a monopoly. And also, the BBC then, if I've got it right, it was it was very straight. It was it was it was not pop music. Mm. And also, th- didn't they have a rule that went on to quite long in the 70s that you could only play a certain amount of records, and the rest of the music had to be live. Yeah, that's right. It was um, it was needle time restrictions. Needle time. Rights, that yeah. was it. Wow. And uh, of course, what happened was that we went out on the North Sea, and we were able to play as many records as we liked yeah. because we weren't within the jurisdiction of Great Britain. And I, ma- I imagine that the, 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 the fact that they were pirates. I mean, also pop is is supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to yeah. be rebellious. It's supposed to be the kids, you know, kind of creating their own world. And the fact that what you were doing was on the fringes of the law, and you were out in, on the ships. That must have made it doubly exciting for the listeners and for you. Well, I, I found it really exciting. I mean, I remember going out there uh, for the very first time and seeing this. We went out from Harwich. We went uh, from London to Harwich. Yeah. And then we went out on a little tender boat. 
and uh, we were dropped <laughs> off at Radio Caroline. I mean, we, we went through customs. We had to, because officially we were going to Holland. Uh, but for three years, I never got there. <laughs> Ended what? up off the coast of Frinton. What was, <laughs> what was the ship like? Um, Radio Caroline itself, the Mi Amigo, which was Caroline in the South, Quite a small little boat, yeah. you know, bobbing up and down in the waves. But Radio London, big old Radio London, was a big minesweeper. It was a, wow. it was a very big boat. And uh, it was much better designed because the studio was underwater level, so oh. there wasn't the movement so much. Yeah. So you didn't have to worry about turntables and, uh, you know, records slipping off to, uh, the turntables and stuff like that. We used to get flung around a lot on Radio oh, Caroline. Did you did you have a room to yourself, or were you bunking up with people? Um, on Radio Caroline, we there were about two of us, or three of us, to a room. On Radio London, uh, we had our own cabin. Who were you sharing with? Do you remember on Caroline? Um, oh, let me see. Um, a guy called Doug Carr. Yeah. Um, let me see who else was there. Um, Dave Lee Travis, DLT. Yeah, yeah. Was on board, and uh, that was about it on Radio London. You know, it was, uh, I mean, we had a terrific amount of people on there. Kenny Everett, wow. I met him for the first time out there, of course. Wow, yeah. And, uh, you know, some of the, some of the really, um, I mean, the Radio London was the one, funnily enough, I, I, I just loved more than any other. Because yeah. it was so wonderful. Those wonderful jingles and the wonderful Radio London and those sort of uh, jingles. Whereas Radio Caroline was the one that started it all, but Radio London was the one that really brought the professional sound of broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, Kenny Everett, I mean, what a master of his craft. What yeah. was he? What was he like to work with? Hard work? Um, no, it was a, no. He was a, he was a nice guy. We we sort of fell out in a way because of an article that was written uh, on, in one of the music papers where they said that we didn't like one another. Oh, and Kenny thought that I didn't like him. Yeah, I, he thought that, I, and I thought he didn't like me oh, very much. No. And then we, then about 30 years later, we, we had the same agent, and she had a 60th birthday party, and he liked, Kenny liked my, my wife, Debbie, very much. Yeah. And uh, she was sitting the other side of the table. He had a terrific, I remember his white suit on, yeah. and he was drinking red wine, and he spilled, oh, he spilled all this red wine over himself, and I was sitting next to him, and he said, that was you, wasn't it, that did that? <laughs> And I said, no, it wasn't. And Debbie said, um, said, no, it was you, actually. You knocked the glass. She said, oh, well, Debbie. Oh, if Debbie said it, it's all right. <laughs> and he said, you've never liked me, have you? I said, of course I oh, have. God. And he gave me a great big kiss on the cheek. Oh. And from that moment on, we were great friends. Oh, isn't that, isn't that fantastic? I mean, yeah. 30 years wasted, but fantastic that you made peace with him. Oh, God, yeah. He was wonderful. Yeah. And um, I always loved him, but he, he just... You know, it, it was one of those things, and uh, right up until he, he passed away, in fact, three, I think it was two weeks before he passed away, we had a lovely dinner together, oh, great. all three of us, and it was wonderful, and he was such a lovely guy, and so talented as well. The thing I, the thing I like about you, one of the many things I like about you, Tony, and, and, and I've known this from listening to you, and then, then, then having met, been lucky enough to meet you a few times, I've picked this up even more, you love your job, don't you? Oh, you yeah. love radio. Absolutely. I mean, I, I absolutely adore it. It's uh, it's the greatest thing. I mean, television is all right. I've done, you know, a bit of TV and stuff, but it's not the same as live broadcasting. Yeah. I mean, uh, live broadcasting is the thing that's wonderful because you're going into people's homes. And nowadays, of course, people who can respond to you, I think social media is terrific yeah. as well. You know, I've, I've really embraced that, you know, Twitter. You, and you have, you are the person that introduced me to Periscope, and it was because <laughs> you got told off for using it when you weren't supposed to. That's right, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was one of the first people on Twitter. I, I just found it very exciting. I've always found technology exciting. I had one of the very first sat-navs in the country, and, 
And also, one of the, one of the very first satellite dishes, which wow. wasn't allowed... I mean, in, I had it in Kensington. It was a very good 1.9-metre dish, <laughs> which revolved. And I tried to get permission to have it put up there, and the, the borough said, oh, put it up. We don't really know what it is. <laughs> when I put it up there and the thing was revolving, some neighbours reported me. They thought I was a spy. <laughs> You also introduced me. To, um, what was the app? It was an app where um, you mime to something. Oh yes, that one. I can't think. Dub smash or dub smash. And uh, me, me and my boys. Oh man, alive! That we have had so much fun because of that. So thank you for introducing me oh, to it's that. Great fun, isn't it? Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Listen, I've done. TV, I've done radio, and yeah. I don't mind doing TV. TV pays better, but I, 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 I love listening to radio, yeah. and I prefer being on the radio. It's, I'm, I'm better yeah. at it. Why, why do you think, why is radio so important to you, Tony? Because it, it, it's live, it's very intimate, and when you're talking to the microphone, you, you know, it's, it's not talking to a mass of people, it's talking yeah. to that one person. That's the trick, isn't uh, it? In my, in my case, that is the problem. <laughs> 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 but it is talking to that one person, and it's just a wonderful medium. You know, it's instant. It's 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 so much fun, and that's the thing. It's fun. Yeah. And uh, that's what I love about um, you know what I'm doing now because I've I've got the freedom now to pick the music I want to play. Oh wow! And nobody tells me don't do this and don't do oh, that. Oh, that's brilliant because not because people won't know this, but not many DJs get to choose their own no. music. That's a great position. Well, not many DJs nowadays get to talk because no. they, you know they're restricted with this ridiculous thing about there's no personality in a lot of the radio stations now and you know 20 seconds three in a row oh, and a awful. time check that to me isn't radio i love personality broadcasting and that's what it is but unfortunately a lot of radio stations have killed it off Do you know i'm so glad you said that tony because there was a thing that came out a few months ago you probably saw this 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 edict from some oh, corporate suit saying you know get all the links have got to be run past management and all of this stuff yeah and i don't really listen to music radio because no. I want. I want to hear. I, I, I tell you what. I, I like some of the some of the presenters on Six Music. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Radcliffe and McConey, I think, are brilliant because yeah. they'll play a song and then they'll come back and they'll say, "Oh, I quite like that. That reminded me of something, and that reminded mm. me of something." And then they'll go off on a tangent and start talking. And I want. Mm. I want that. And, I, and and that's what I want when I listen to you. Is is you telling me about your life, telling me about your day, telling me some crap jokes, you know. <laughs> I, want, I want that, though. And, and you're right, there's not enough of it, I don't think. No, that's, I mean, I, I listen a lot, I, I listen a lot to um, BBC Radio, and I listen a lot to uh, talk radio. I listen, I listen to your, your station. Bless you. And uh, the other one, which I, I, I won't, you know... No, I can't remember that there. name, the three letters, rubbish but I, press. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> I lo- and I love it because it's 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 interesting, it's fun, yeah. and what you do there make people laugh and a little bit, you, you know, on the edge sometimes. Yeah, which I think is great. Yeah, I think is great. You know, and, and you know, people who ring up and complain about this, that, and the other, listen to something else. Do you know? I've just re- I think I've just remembered the first time we ever spoke. It was when I was at LBC mm. doing the Drive Time Show. Yeah, and um, some guy phoned up pretending to be you. And it was quite a good impression, right? Quite a good impression. And my producer, Chris, said um, in my ear, I've got Tony Blackburn's phone number. Shall I give him a call? <laughs> and and he did. And you came on. And we had a Tony Blackburn impersonator. And we had you. And That's it was, I remember that. It was so delicious. <laughs> and you. And then we, we kind of, we spoke a few times after. And you said that you listened to the show. And you, I think your daughter, yeah. it was, listened to the show as well. 
Um, oh, she used to. Yeah, I used to. I used to pick her up from school, and um, we used to listen to you on the way home. Oh, yeah, How, I mean that was. And she always wanted to ring you up, and um, you know, but so <laughs> the journey wasn't that long. <laughs> How's she doing? Because that was ten. Well, that was she, ten, twelve years ago. Victoria, um, she's now appearing at the Phoenix Theatre. She's in the new Gary Barlow musical. Is she? Um, yes, yeah, called uh, The Girls. Oh, fantastic! What's, she, uh, what, what's her role? What's she doing? Well, she what what she's doing? She's just been at the Royal Academy of Music, and what she's doing now? She's on the ensemble, but she's uh, understudying for one of the uh, one of the girls who's on there. Oh, she's brilliant. playing the part of Jenny. And I actually I went to see her three times last week. Oh, because she totally. was taking over the role, and uh, but it's marvelous. I mean. She's just come out of um, the Royal Academy of Music and have your first yeah. job in the West End is just tremendous. Oh, that's uh, great. You, that, you must have been so proud. I'm very proud, yeah. Oh, f- well, send her my best, because that, that, is, that is fantastic. I will, yeah. I'm, I'm really pr- very proud of her. And, uh, you know, my son's in advertising, and he gets me sponsorship, so he keeps me going as well. <laughs> <laughs> you are the hardest working man in, ra- well, in radio. <laughs> well, I, I just enjoy I do a lot yeah. of travelling. I mean, it's not... It's, you know, I work um, in Kent. I've been down to Kent today, mm. and I, I go to Berkshire and um, travel around a bit. But you know, it's a joy. It's, yeah. um, it, it, I just uh, it, to me, it's not a job. It's just fun, and, and I love the people that I work with because um, you know the actual people I work with at all the radio stations. They're so nice. Yeah. It's well. always it was again the place we worked at. It was such a joy when you, on the I think you came in once once a week or once every other, and once just suddenly week, yeah. the office. The office lit up with to- and, ev- and everyone, and I'll say this to you now, Tony. Mm-hmm. Everyone was so excited that you were coming in. Every- Tony Batman's oh, coming. That's, that's Honestly, mate, it was nice such a me, thrill yeah. for e- it was like royalty coming to visit, you know. <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration. It really, really was. Yeah, it was it's a thrill. Very sweet of you to say that. Well, listen, yeah. I know we've spoken before, uh, uh, yeah. but th- th- please tell the story about um, how you saved Stevie Wonder. How I saved? How I what? How you what, weren't you doing a gig with Stevie Wonder? No, no, I, d- I was doing the, the Soul Night Out. Yes. Um, I, I started the Soul Night um, when I was at, uh, well, I still am at Radio London. Um, and we started the Soul Night, and they didn't really think at the time, this was in the 80s, that the, the show would do particularly well. You yeah. know, we went to the, the, uh, the uh, Kilburn, I think it was. Yeah, that's right, the, uh, the club in Kil- Kilburn. And it held 2,500 people. And yeah. I said, well, I think it'll do well. And uh, we got there, and there were about 5,500 people trying to get in, and I couldn't get in myself. <laughs> it was very difficult. And then halfway through the show, we were broadcasting it, and uh, Dave Pierce, who was in charge of pe- seeing people on and off, he, sa- he said to me, he said, Stevie Wonder's turned up, Fantastic. and he wonders if he could come on and just say hello, and thanks for playing all the Motown <laughs> records. And we didn't know he was coming. Oh, I love it. And, uh, he, you know, he's such a lovely guy, Stevie Wonder. But and was I got it, to know him quite well. Didn't from... he, wasn't he, didn't, wasn't he going to fall off the stage or something? No, that wasn't me. Oh, I thought, I thought that was stage, you. Yeah. I thought that was you that said that he'd, um, he, he was going to fall off the stage and you had to grab him. Oh, no, no, that was Kenny Everett. Oh, what? No, that was Kenny. <laughs> that was on the pirate ship, Radio London. Oh, God. When I got up one morning and Kenny was, uh, you know, he was partial to a little bit of this, that and the other. Yes. And uh, he got up there, and I, he opened up the, the gangway at the back of the boat, and I was just going in to do the breakfast show. There was nobody else around. Oh, no. And I got hold of his arm, and he was a bit of in a world of his own. I yeah. said, what are you doing, Kenny? He said, I'm going to walk to Frinton. Oh, God. And I said to him, I said, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I put him back in his cabin. So uh, I think if I hadn't, it was the timing, if I hadn't got... Hold of him, yeah. he would have been. He, oh. he would have. Well, he would have. He wouldn't have been with us, you know, <laughs> as long as he was. Flipping it. No. Um, 
you have, I mean, well, hang on, 1964, let's do the maths. What's that? 53, 53 years. Um, there are very, I mean, the the voice sounds the same, you know, the the enthusiasm. I'm not going to say how old you are, but the energy. 74. Well, this is the thing. You sound more excitable and and more energetic than me, and I'm 43. (laughs) I don't know how you do it. It's not, it's just, it's. I think the uh, the older I've got, the more I appreciate mm. it, and I enjoy radio e- m- even more now than I ever did. Good. You know, yeah, and it's uh, it's great. I mean, it was it was great when I when I opened up Radio One um, in uh, 1967. It was amazing because there was no, there was no other radio stations around. So yeah. I get up I get up and do a breakfast show, and we had about 20 million people God listening. Blimey. You know, well, you're not going to get those sort of no. figures now. But but in a strange sort of way, it's nice now having people who listen to you not because they have to but because they want to yeah yeah and and so it's more of an achievement really and i i I think um you know radio is a very exciting thing to be in and i've been terribly lucky to uh been a part of it and seen it right from the word go and i think those of us who are out on the pirate ships i'm very proud of being out there because Mm. we did alter radio you know we we broke the monopoly of the bbc which had to happen and we bought about all this radio. I, I'm a little bit disappointed about the fact that music radio has gone so unpersonality. Apart from you, you know stations like Radio Two, and which I'm you know I there, love, love being a part there of. There are now. shows here and there, yeah, where it is, yeah. but I, it, I, it has to go back the other way, doesn't it? It has to go back to personalities. Well, I don't know. You know, it, it, I don't think it will. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't think it will. I think the you know it's run by people who don't really have a great deal of love of radio. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people that are just interested in just making the money out of it. Um, I mean, for me, it's not, it's, not, it's not making money out of it. It's the fact I enjoy it. And it, it is a joy to go in there. And the people I work with, um, you know, they're people that really love radio, yeah. like you do. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, I can hear yeah. people like yourself and, and, and John Holmes and people like that yeah. who, who love, love what they're doing. I, I love the idea of you listening to John Holmes. But the thing is, I know you do. I know you love I listening do, yeah. to speech radio, and I know you love interacting. <laughs> um, and, and you're aware, aren't you, Tony? I you at night time. I know you do. Bless you. Phone in. You're more than welcome to phone in. You, you, you jump the queue. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're also aware that um, th- there is so much affection for you throughout, not just the industry. And I mentioned about how we, everyone in the office will get excited when you come in. It's true. But everywhere, across the country, there is real affection for you. And I don't know if you're aware of it. And I just want to share that with you and let well, you know that people love you, Tony. You know, people think you're great. And the fact that you're working 53 years later in a really cutthroat industry mm. shows that there is an audience for you and people do love you. So I'm just handing that over to you, Tony, so you know. Well, that's very, that's very kind of you. Uh, and, I, I, and, you know, I have had a lot of support from uh, people just over the last year, obviously. Yep. Uh, something I don't talk about, but no. um, it is the, um, it, you know, I have had a tr- tremendous amount of support and I really appreciate People that. love you, Tony. Very, very much, people everybody. absolutely love you and you bring a lot of joy to people's lives. And, um, you know, thank you so much. I, I, feel thr- I, I feel thrilled I've got your phone number on my phone, honestly. <laughs> I'm like a giggling 15-year-old. No, I know. I'm not going to give it to you, Tony. I don't want you calling me up. Hey, listen, mate, it's always a pleasure. Um, I, 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 best of luck to your daughter daughter in her show and i hope she goes from success to success thank you i just want to say Ian, that you are terrific at what you i mean i know this is a bit uh, sycophantic but i it's terrific what you do as well thank you Tom. you know what you're doing there is you've got personality you've got fun and you know it's interesting and fun to listen to that may- and i was listening to you 
when you were a little bit more serious about I think it was your mum, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was really quite moving. And I, I you oh, know, and you. so you do have the ability to, you know, have, be on the edge, though, but at the same time, uh, have that lovely warmth. That, Thank you, Tony. Not everybody has. That really means a lot, then. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to treasure that. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Ian. Have a lovely evening, Tony Blackburn. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. And there you go. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. The reason why we love late night radio has been encapsulated in the past three hours. Of course, there are other people that we would love to speak to as well. Tommy Boyd, the likes of Tommy Boyd. I mean, if only we could have tracked him down. Maybe in the future. Robbie Vincent's another one. We're definitely going to be speaking to him very soon. In the meantime, if you liked what you heard, you want to hear more, keep your eye out for the bonus podcast. They'll be coming out in the next couple of days. Uh, but for now, I'll say goodnight to you and I'll see you tomorrow at 10. Actually, it's today at 10, isn't it? Better get to bed. Night. Talk Radio. We've got entertainment and we're not afraid to use it. Talk Radio.